and then it's going to be, hello everybody, welcome to Shelf Life. No, 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 let's try that again, let's try that again. Hello everyone, I'm Kevin. And I'm Rachel. And this is Shelf Life, a podcast featuring a pair of siblings? What are we? <laughs> uh, we're... A pair of siblings. Gonna have to cut that. Rachel cut. Oh, that I'm out keeping it. No, I'm keeping it. <laughs> um, this is a podcast uh, hosted. We are brother and sister, and we are going through all things culture, past, present, maybe future, depending on. I mean, technically, yes, uh, because we are recording this in a certain year, and hopefully, we're recording this in the future. We are going through everything from movies, TV, books, comics, games. Uh, anything entertainment-wise, and determining whether or not it is shelf life worthy, meaning is it good enough to be your collectibles on your shelf, virtual or physical. We're proponents of physical. We are collectors. We're going through one by one, and we're trying to figure out if it is shelf worthy, if it has shelf life. And this week's episode or tonight's episode is featuring the 1998 movie what are what are we doing rachel well it's a it's a mashup of gremlins and toy story a little thing called small soldiers small soldiers directed by joe dante the director of gremlins and this has a extremely gremlins e or Gremlins-esque vibe to it. It's definitely a Joe Dante movie. Uh, I, 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 I'm going to start here If for the folks at home um, or in their car or wherever you're listening to this, on the toilet, whatever. I don't know how well people remember this one. Um, I think people our age probably remember it, but if you're three years older than us or you're three years younger than us i don't know if you know what this movie is so i Rachel, have a feeling that's true yeah would you i think give... it's very a short uh a time period that actually knows what this movie is and 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 part of our goal with the show is obviously going to be trying to find things that we we're going to do obvious stuff for sure but we're also going to do stuff that people might not have necessarily known, including us. Like, we'll do episodes on stuff that we've never seen before, I think. As part oh, I'm very excited for that. Uh, and we want to make sure that we, we capture the essence, and, the tr- and as, as we'll always say, the truth about what goes on your shelf, what has shelf life. But Rachel, for the folks at home who may not know Small Soldiers, and I think you succinct it up pretty well, can you give us a little bit about the 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 plot what's going on in small soldiers okay okay so i'm i'm summing this up right so these uh toy makers create a new set of toys that uh come to life because of artificial intelligence and run amok and that's pretty much what happens yeah it's gremlins with plastic <laughs> toys yes <laughs> and I, I can say this. I know I went to the theater to see it. Oh, did you really? I, I know I can distinctly remember sitting in the theater to see this in 1998. 
Also, we didn't plan to do two movies from 1998 in a row. It, or Ohio. Have, or in small town Ohio. <laughs> but we have we have this scheduled out. We have this show planned. We didn't notice that. I don't know. Maybe we're just nostalgic for 1998, Rachel. So it, was a, it was a simpler time. It was a simpler time. Especially when, uh, you know, put it, add it to the list. The first wrestling thing that I have planned for us is from 1998. Too. Are you kidding? Oh my God, this <laughs> so, is the best thing ever. I think the first thing that we should do for everything should be 1998. Except next week, uh, spoiler alert, we'll be going to 1989. So it, we kind of uh. already ruined it. Um, <laughs> but I, I remember sitting in the theater. I know mom was there. Because there's a part in this movie when they're watching wrestling, and I know I was getting the, huh? Eh? Eh, it's wrestling. <laughs> like, I can distinctly remember that particular memory, but I don't remember, like, anything else about sitting there in the movie. But if I was there, I'm assuming you were there, too. I don't remember. And you would have been little. I was six. Yeah. I was six. I don't remember. No. I like... really don't. <laughs> I don't remember going. I remember I had the toys. And I don't know if they were the Happy Meals or if they actually bought us the toys, but I remember there's a, one of the uh, Gorgonites is a eyeball and his little fingers had suction cups on them in the toy version that I had and I would stick it to the car window. I remember specifically doing that. And, and I know (laughs) I had, I had an archer. Yep. I had a chip. I think I had a chip hazard. Um, I think so. And then we also had the the one that reminds me of Freakazoid. No, we did not. Yeah. No. There's I'm pretty no sure. Or I had like a mini version that must have been in a McDonald's maybe Happy had, Meal because yeah, I remember having him. And I believe it was a Burger King Kids Club. Oh, was it? Oh, you're right. It was Burger King. Second. I'm sorry. It wasn't <laughs> McDonald's. It was Burger King. And yes, there's a story behind that. And I don't know if we want to mention it here, but we can uh, we can go over. No, that. you might as well because you brought it up. You brought up the uh, the fact that. You had the Burger King toys, so yes. we might as well go into Burger King's tie-in and influence over the movie. Oh, was there actual influence? There I know was there's. Influence. I know there's a story about something that had to be pulled. Oh, okay. Well, let, let's let's start with the influence. Let's start with the influence, and then, and then we'll go into the. So and we might cut my part because I don't even know if we're gonna want to keep that in the in well, the show. We'll, we'll, it's, we'll it's, find it's out. history. It's something that happens. I think we have to. Sometimes we have to get into the seedy stuff. Sometimes we we've gotta we've gotta put put stuff in perspective for people to understand what what might have been going on in the world at the time or what's going. Last week we had to talk about freaking Miramax and and the the fact that that company doesn't exist for a very dark reason. Um, yep. Uh, so before I get into that, I, I, I will say for those that have not seen the movie or any of our episodes that we do past or present, uh, or future, we do deep dive everything. We go into minute detail about everything that's going to happen in this movie from start to finish, because that's what the two of us love to do. So we will spoil things. There's a spoiler, like stamp spoiler alert underneath shelf life. And that's what it's going to be. If you don't care about it, then keep listening. If you want to see the movie before you listen or see the show or read the book, whatever we're doing, go do that first. Yeah, pause right now and go watch it. Go read it. Go whatever the heck we're doing for the for the current podcast. And then now you're back. Okay. Go okay, ahead, you're Kevin. back. Spoilers Great. are allowed I thank you now. For put, I think, thank you for putting the pause in so that they could pause the show 
and then go do it and come back and unpause the show. Well, I, I mean, we have to, right? You have to put a little pause in. It's necessary. Uh, science does say, though, that knowing what's going to happen, knowing the spoiler, actually doesn't ruin it for you. It actually make, it, it, it could make it better for you because you're anticipating it. I, I look at it this way. I have, I'm very against binge watching because of anticipation. And we'll talk about this in future episodes, I'm sure, as well. But I, I'm not a big fan of binge watching because I like the feeling of having to wait for the next part of the story. I don't know what that means about me or what it means no, about... I, I like doing that, too. I mean, that's why I liked watching shows on TV. It was like, oh, okay, we have something to look forward to next week because there's the next episode. So, I mean, it's just kind of that, like, happy feeling of expecting something in the future, looking forward to something. Yeah, you have to have something to look forward to in this right. dreary life. Uh. <laughs> it's, it's been a hell of a time. So anyway, Joe Dante is uh, the director of Gremlins. He's directed some other movies as well. Gremlins probably his most iconic film. He, he, has, he has several under under his belt, of course. But I, I would venture to say Gremlins is probably the most iconic. He is quoted as saying when it comes to small soldiers that he was first uh, tasked with first deciding to make the movie of having it be an edgy, dark movie for teenagers. Right. That was the idea. That was the concept. And I think you see that in the second half of the movie. But during the production, Burger King came in and and other sponsors as well and said we need to sell toys to kids it needs to be more family friendly so then he had to go and kind of cut down mm-hmm. some of the stuff that he wanted yeah, to do like in the they, movie. I, I don't know if that means he wanted to make it rated r or not but he definitely well, i cut think down. it was supposed to be more so rated pg-13 and he had it more it, i thought it was actually oh okay so maybe he did want it to be rated but R. because I, I know he cut out harder ex- pg-13 right because i think he cut out like explosions and probably more gory things that yeah teenagers would enjoy yeah and you can tell he was getting there oh yeah <laughs> in some parts but what's your what's your thing that was taken out so burger king had to pull one of the action figures um that they were that were put, being put into kids' meals, um, the one named Kip Killigan. And this is, it's not a good story. It's uh, the, a, a kid, a child named Kip Kinkle, murdered his parents and then went on a killing spree at his school. And because his name was Kip Kinkle and the, the name of the, the soldier was Kip Killigan, they decided to pull that action figure. So it's actually something that is extraordinarily rare to find at this mm. point. So it's probably like a collectible, but that's what happened there. And it, mm. it happened and like small soldiers was supposed to come out like not very much longer after that school shooting happened. I'm, I'm surprised they didn't just change the name of the, like, I think it's because it are, everything already was done in production. I, I, uh, yeah, maybe I, yeah. Like nowadays they probably just would like go in and digitally have, uh, Bruce Stern say a different name instead right. of that, and, or, or or wait, I can't remember which one. Kip, no, Kip Killigan. Uh, I think that's the one with the cigar. Uh, they all have very distinct looks in, in this picture. 
are you yeah the one with the one with the cigar that has like the big gun and like the and, ammo and that's the one played chest. by that's the one played by uh ernest borgnine right so that's an that's an important little role so having ernest borgnine in the in the picture um you've this we're gonna get a little dark so getting you want to get darker i mean i don't know if you can get darker than that but let's get a little darker too um we've already said a, a quote from him um this is the last film of the late great phil hartman uh and i don't think we'll get into a lot of detail about his death we're not the lapsed fan i can't go that dark into everything um but i will say phil hartman was a fantastic actor and comedian he was known as the glue on saturday night live they would put him in sketches just because they knew he could keep everything together and make it seem more realistic and real when we start our simpsons shows I think we'll have to always be mentioning Phil Hartman because he did the same thing for them. They weren't all there at the same time, but he made his presence felt. This is, this is, he's, he's great in this. He, he is awesome in this role. He's, he's kind of doing the same role as he is in Jingle All the Way. It's true. Um, but it's, it's this, it's just this annoying neighbor. He's like a techno head role and he's great. And um, that particular line has stuck with me since the first time I've seen the movie. You and I quote it all the time. We'll quote it again at least a couple of times during this show. Yeah, just expect it. But before this movie came out, his wife murdered him while he was in his while he was in his sleep. Uh, his wife had a lot of drug problems. She. Uh, was trying to get clean I think he was trying to help her and it just uh, did not go right obviously Um, but she she murdered him and then killed herself Um, it's a extremely tragic story it's just one of the saddest things to happen and you never hear anybody say anything bad about Phil Hartman because he was just so damn good at what he did and he seemed like such a likable guy and it comes through in every performance he does. So I, I obviously I don't want to get into get into those kind of things and I don't want to celebrate I don't want to dwell on someone's death. I want to celebrate what they did great, but I do also want to acknowledge the fact that this was his last film. Right. Uh it's dedicated to him, of course. There is a very sweet stinger, very, very heartbreaking stinger at the end with, with Phil and, and Joe Dante. Um I can give the stinger at the end. Uh, Phil, Phil, whose name in the movie is Phil Hartman. The stinger scene is Phil saying uh, one of his lines and they say cut and he turns to the camera and he goes, was that too much? And Joe Dante just starts laughing and Phil Hartman kind of goes like, throws his hands up and he just goes like, I've never heard you say that before. (laughs) Um, Which is the whole essence of Phil Hartman. He's going to give you this broad performance, but somehow it's still very restricted, like very controlled. I don't don't know how to describe it, but I don't know if I've ever seen him be bad at in in anything. And, And I've like, he's, he shows up a lot. Especially in the 90s. Yeah, he, he commits to his part. And I think yes. that's what really like You're, brings it out. Point. Yeah, yes. He gives it... I, I'll say this about uh, about everyone in this movie. 
especially I mean especially Phil Hartman but everyone in this movie everyone is trying their damnedest and I think that that's a reflection not only of having uh, Phil Hartman and like other these other kind of professionals on set it's a reflection of having Joe Dante as the director um, I think he seems like a very well respected director that people want to give their all for and because he has such a unique tone they want to try to match that tone with with him as much as possible i think that everyone is, does a pretty damn good job even the voice acting is really absolutely good oh i think they had this. i think they had a lot of fun with this show and i think that's kind of it, it shows a lot and they, they were even saying they felt like big kids again playing with the toys because it wasn't all cgi they were actual no. action figures that they were puppeteering uh and moving around well, and we should talk about that a little bit. So Stan Winston, who is a um, Hollywood legend, uh, and I say that as someone that doesn't know a lot about the inner workings of Hollywood, we don't care necessarily about how the thing got made. We just want to care about what was actually made. But Stan Winston is responsible for some of the greatest practical and special effects you've seen in, in movies. And... Uh, I saw a little snippet about him talking and his, and his you know his his company talking about they had just gotten done with working on something that required a lot of big animatronics. I can't remember what it was right now, but it was something that required a lot of heavy machinery, and they had to go and think up all new ways to do it because they needed these things to be as functional as something that was big, but now they had to do it with you know, essentially a 12 inch action figure and figure out how they can make the thing move with puppetry. And there's some fun, uh, like stuff that that's on YouTube of like the behind the scenes of them trying to get Archer and Chip Hazard to kind of fight each other right? as puppets. And they were having issues doing it. So they had to start using CGI. Sure. So it's, I, it's, I, it's hard not to appreciate the work that's put in, in the, in the background of a movie. It's it's really hard not to appreciate how much they the thought and the energy they put into getting everything to work right to make it look really good on screen. Honestly, and I, I even wrote this in my notes a couple times. The CGI is not that bad. There's a couple no. of scenes where it's like, mm, but and again, I think this goes to Joe Joe Dante being a, a damn good director. Um, and this is also a DreamWorks movie, so it's got some Spielberg in there as well. Just like right. Gremlins, it's the yep. same pairing. I think he knew when to when and how to use CGI because most of these scenes that are using CGI it's just the action figures. It's not people are over here and they're interacting with the CGI. It's a it's well, it's it's a mix of just the action figures or the toys and it's not it's not usually here's uh Kristen Dunst and Chip Hazard in the same shot and they need they need Chip to do something complicated that a puppet can't do so we're going to CGI it. It's usually like no there's just the shot of Chip and then we'll do a shot of Kristen Kristen reacting to it mm-hmm. or something like that. So again I I think it's goes back to that whole idea. They they knew they wanted to make a good movie. Um they wanted to make a to your point a fun movie. I think that the studio wanted to sell toys. Yes. 
I, I no. agree. No, I, I did read that too, is that where uh, the toys did better than the movie itself. But I do, I, I do think that was also the, you know, the company. It's just, it's just the way it is. Well, and, and I, I gotta tell you. Ever I, since I still... Star Wars, it's, it's always make sure you get those toys out before the movie. Well, yeah. Well, the toys from Star Wars, that's, that's, that's everything. Right. The mer- merchandising is everything. Merchandising. So the budget of this movie was about $40 million. It grossed $54.5 million. So it made money. It made its mm-hmm. money back. But I don't know if you, you were able to catch how much money it made in merchandise, but I'm sure it made more in Burger King kids meals than it did. I, I don't uh, know if I saw the actual numbers, but it, they did mention how it was like an extravagant amount of money. <laughs> the interesting thing about this, and we'll get into it when we get into the detail, is this movie comes tries to come away with a couple of very blunt, I don't know if I'd call it very blunt, but it comes. It tries to come away with a couple of themes, a couple of messages, a couple of takeaways for the American audience in 1998. Uh, one of those is anti-big corporation. Yep. And we, we hear that from the truck driver, but go on. And the other is selling war to the masses. Yep. Instead of it being this, an, it's an anti-war movie, I would wager. Mm-hmm. But then all they did was market the fucking soldiers. <laughs> right. The, the poster is nothing but the soldiers. The toys are the soldiers. The trailer is the soldiers. The trailer is the trailer for the toy. Like, right. the teaser trailer is Chip Hazard punching the box. Yep. Um, and I'm not going to fault Universal and DreamWorks for doing that. I, they knew what they were doing, but it does take a little bit of the sting out of it. And it takes a little bit of the sting out of the of what they probably wanted to do with the movie by pulling this stuff back so that they can make it more kid-friendly, which I'm sure 10-year-old me was great with, but 32 whatever your old me I am <laughs> uh, does not necessarily I don't I, I'm gonna be honest with you Rachel I don't know what I'm gonna say at the end of the podcast well I well I guess I feel the same way actually <laughs> <laughs> so we we're gonna find out uh, how we feel at the end once we go through everything I think we can kind of oh, we're, our idea. Oh, we're gonna know we're gonna know. We're gonna know based on we're gonna know based on the, uh, just the, the the length. So, folks at home, know you know how long this podcast is. Maybe that's a giveaway based on our last podcast, um, where we gushing. We were gushing over the faculty mm, for yes. three hours. I don't, I don't know how long this will go. Um, two things that I want to point out before we before we dive into it, unless you have other stuff too. No, go ahead. Um, one is on IMDb, because I was trying to make sure that I had the list of the cast and everything. One of the plot keywords, the first plot keyword on IMDb, a gigantic website for movies, is child gagged. <laughs> what? I mean, that happens in the movie, but... Does it? Child gag. So oh, it if you're, is. You're right. If you he search, is. if you search for the following plot keywords, you may get small soldiers, parody, childhood dream, child gagged. 
<sighs> I don't know who's searching that, but um, stop. <laughs> yeah, none of that. Uh, another thing to point out, uh, ri- th- it's written by, it has four credited writers. Two of the writers don't have a whole lot of other stuff, like l- very little things here and there. Um, but the other two writers, and Rachel, you might even recognize the name, but if you don't, you'll know you'll know them once I say what, what they did, um, are Ted Elliott and Terry Rossio. And they will be showing up again uh, through our journey because they wrote shrek and they wrote the pirates of the caribbean movies oh so they will show up again oh, yeah add that to the list yeah add 100%. at least three of them to the list i don't know if there's they, no we no, might have to do all i'm of sorry them just to but the other in. ones don't exist <laughs> we'll get into it oh, we'll get it oh we'll we'll be there don't think don't think you won't pay if you don't think you'll pay disney sorry anyway so anyway um yes they'll be they'll be back on on the show later on uh main events i think for me personally as me as well yes <laughs> so, very cool very cool well then let us begin uh our deep dive when we come back after a word from our sponsor we will get in to small soldiers. Globotech Industries, long recognized as the worldwide leader in high-tech weaponry, is now reaching even higher. Under the leadership of CEO Gil Mars, Globotech engineers are blazing the trail into tomorrow's most exciting market sector, introducing advanced battlefield technology into consumer products for the whole family. For the first time, you and yours will enjoy the same high-quality standards as demanded by the U.S. Defense Department at private sector prices. Globotech, turning swords into plowshares for you and your family. So are we get, are we getting into it right now? Or are we starting here? We we might as well. I we might as sure. well. Sure. The movie starts with a Globotech commercial. It's very like a Terminator or RoboCop feel. Uh, I think it, that comes actually after the Small Soldiers Triangle. Yes. And the introduction of the score. Yes. The the fir- when I was rewatching this. For, for the show, I was like, this sounds like Jerry Goldsmith. Like, it's got to be Jerry Goldsmith's score. And then I looked it up and it was a Jerry Goldsmith score. Um, <laughs> it's a great score. Maybe we'll do a little bit of Shelf Life jukebox for you and, and hum the score. But look it up, because there's some parts of it that are very, very good. Um, but anyway, the way that I looked at it, and, and the, it does do the whole Globotech is a international blah, 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 like does that whole thing. I thought of it more like this is a conglomerate. So it's 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 a Stark Industries. It's mm-hmm. a yes, yes. They are a weapons manufacturer, exactly. But they have other junk. Like they also, I, they're a weapons manufacturer, but they also have a textile mill. Like I feel like okay. that's kind of how okay. this company is set up. But I so, think that they were first and foremost the uh, weapons company. A hundred percent. And they're just buying other things now they, to they make made themselves their money look better. Of, yeah. They made their money off of weapons. And now they have all of these other things. The other way to look at it and the cynical view and the satirical view, which Joe Dante might be putting on, or the writers might be putting on because of the fact 
that you get this tone later with the movie is that the company so Heartland Toys is the company that ends up making the products. They're they're renamed Heartland Play Systems because toys is not a good enough word. Another take on corporations having to have you have to brand it. Mm -hmm. Uh, it's the movie's kind of ahead of its time in all of this. You could have the cynical viewpoint where they're trying to reach kids. They're trying to indoctrinate kids into liking war. Sure. Which we'll get into this in the scene coming up, but I don't, I don't know. Like that's, that is a very cynical viewpoint of what the, what the movie is or like why they're doing it. But I wouldn't, wouldn't put, put it past them. Wouldn't put it past the company that, that, is putting that kind of a slogan in their commercials to you. Yeah. Um, but it, you know what else? So the, that commercial reminds me of, reminded me of RoboCop because, and add RoboCop to the list. Absolutely. Um, it will, I, I, folks at home, you can't see this, but Rachel, every time I say, or she says, add this to the list, she literally writes it down. I'm, I'm physically <laughs> adding it to a list. Um, <laughs> By the way, we have enough on this list to do this until we die, I'm pretty sure. Which I'm fine with. Oh, yeah. But <laughs> um, we had at least a list of like 500 movies that we uh, can do, and that's just the movies. And that's without um, anybody else's input. But... <laughs> Wait for suggestions. The other thing that it reminded me of, and you'll appreciate this, and hopefully part of our audience... It reminded me of when you go into the ride at Universal Studios for Terminator and they show you the commercial for Skynet. Yes. Or, or, or for Cyberdyne Systems, but they're, they're, feet, they're showing you like, and now we're introducing Skynet. Right. That's what it reminded me of. 100%. Was the Terminator well, 2, the ride. It is partially Universal, though. They worked That's, with Universal yeah. to make this, so I yeah, could Universal totally see Universal this. saying, let's make this to, and it'll like be perfect for it. And they were probably doing the Terminator 2 right around the same time that they were making this. Might have came out a little bit after. I can't remember. Uh, so you get this idea of what kind of a company Globotech is. And after the commercial, it, it has the Heartland Play System sign being lowered down. And it's a, glo- a division of Globotech or something like that. And a lot of this score that Goldsmith does, and I, I'm a score nerd, you're a score nerd, so when we have a good score, we have scores we think that should be featured, we're going to talk about them. Um, it's a lot of percussion. It's it's a very much a war-themed, like, bump, 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 ba da yeah, yeah, it's great. Da, da, oh, it's great. Da, 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 da. Yeah, a lot of, like, lot of staccato. Yeah. Uh, uh, very orchestral. I love it. It's a, it's a really, I, I keep replaying, there's two tracks that I keep replaying. One is just the theme, which is just um, them assembling the toys. Mm-hmm. And the other is the roll call when oh, yeah. uh, Hazard pulls them off. Awesome. It's beautiful. Awesome scores. Um, so anyway, we get a helicopter landing near the building. And that immediately cuts to David Cross. David Cross is a... Uh, alternative comic from the 90s Rachel I don't know if you know he's in he's in several things actually he pops up here and there I I know his face from a lot of different things but I can't think of them now he's playing Irwin uh, who is one of the I I would say when Heartland was 
just a regular toy company. He was probably the heart and soul of, of that toy company. He was the idea man. He came yeah, up with he was the, the creator. Yeah. Uh, and he's nervous that someone's here and, and he's scrambling to grab all of his stuff. So he's on his way to some, some kind of meeting that we're about to find out. And he runs into on the way to that meeting, Jay Moore, um, another marketing Canadian who's in a bunch of stuff. That's what I got to out of, out of Jay. He oh, yeah. is pay, playing Larry Benson. Uh, but, but he's definitely, he takes David Cross's ideas and he comes up with how to market it and how to sell it. Right. Kind of the design guy. We have the design and we have the marketer. Mm-hmm. So they're on their way and you get an idea of exactly where these two are coming from. Uh, Irwin is a guy that thinks that it should have stayed small. It should have been for the kids. It should have been about teaching kids. That's the idea of toys. The heart of it. Yes. And Jay Moore's character is way more of, we're going to make more money this way. Yeah. So, he's kind of a cynic. <laughs> like like that's that that's what matters is the profit right that's what that's the bottom line literally that's life as they're on their way to the meeting they get greeted by the new ceo's secretary i guess right hand woman i i she she's she's the smithers to his mr burns yes and uh, her name is ms kegel yeah and i have a question is that a joke In is that a way? joke for Kegel, okay. I'm sorry, Kegel exercises. I, I don't think. I all I that's the first I, thing I thought. I'm like, wait a minute. As an adult, <laughs> well, as an adult and as someone that will, hey, add this to the list. That episode of the league, um, I, I can see where your head, why your head would go there. My head didn't go there immediately. My head actually went to the fact that there's a character, the the one of the antagonists in Gremlins' name is Mrs. Deagle. Oh, oh! There are so many references. There's a lot to of Gremlins other things. References. It's not yeah. even just Gremlins. There's so many references to like other movies and other like mutant music and shows and yeah, it's like us. They reference everything. Well, yeah. But I, I thought it was more of a reference uh, to Mrs. Deagle okay. from Gremlins because we do get Gremlins references all, uh, throughout the movie. Okay, I'll take it. I'll take it that way instead because the other <laughs> I was just like seriously. So she leads them into a boardroom, which I thought was a big boardroom for the fact that this seems like a smaller. We're in small town. I don't know if this is in small town Ohio. Most of the movie takes place in small town Ohio, but this felt like a smaller. A smaller company. Like, it wasn't like a giant factory building. It was kind of like a regular, like, one-story, two-story office building. Well, I think some office buildings that are that size, and I think I could kind of relate to the size that they are, um, they have a boardroom that's large enough to hold yeah. enough people, any type of meeting for understanding the different products that are going out and all the design and everything like that. Did you notice any of the toys that were there when they, like, walked to the front? I, I, I wasn't able to catch a glimpse of most of them. There was one, like, set of toys that looked like a very disfigured Mr. Potato Head. I didn't know if it was, like... I don't remember seeing that. Like, a rip-off, like, Mr. Potato Head. Well, because they have, like, like a, an old company would, they have some of their successes behind, like, the glass and stuff like that. And they have, like this demented looking mr potato head oh. i had no idea what it was yeah and like a raggedy ann yeah 
they are there and they're ready to give the meeting and you can tell that they're ready to give the meeting to a lot their of board yeah and Irwin just goes right into it but but there's nobody there and he says where is ever where is everybody where's everybody else i think it's well i thought it was crazy. kind of odd you walked in and you just start talking and you're just like where is everybody it's like what? <laughs> how did you not notice that nobody that's not was how in you there. start meetings rachel you just start <laughs> don't walk in and just start talking i mean sometimes <laughs> i mean now nowadays in in our remote working environment it, it might be a little harder to just turn on your your zoom or your teams and just be like all right, these are Gorgonites, and they're from the planet Gorgon. Uh, but apparently, that's how David Cross does his meetings because that's how well, he. I, mean, I don't he is mind that, that. He is that dorky kind of guy who gets nervous and probably just had like this well, film over his eyes, not seeing anything. I. But but here's the thing: what we find out, what comes up in a couple of minutes, is that's the way Dennis Leary likes it. No bullshit, no small talk. Show me your fucking toy. It's true. It's true. So maybe that was part of the strategy. Just get to the good stuff. There's some meetings that I'm in where, and I, trust me, I'm in meetings where I bullshit a lot because that's what I am. But there are some meetings where it's like, can we just get to it so that I can go back to doing my work? Right. Um, So maybe, maybe that's just the way it is. But he, he says... Where's everybody else? And in walks Dennis Leary, um, another alternative comedian from the 90s who's in a lot of shows now. Mm-hmm. Um, sort of became more of like a character actor, I guess, in the last 20 years. But he is the new CEO playing... He His name is Gil Mars, which is a odd name, but... Go ahead. Well, okay, so I had read, because apparently there's a lot with names in this movie. And um, well, Mars... Ke- the Kegel exercises, they, of course. Well, the, thank you. I'm not sure why Gil. However, the Mars is because it's the god of war. Uh, so mm, that was a, uh, a presumption, course. is that that's why uh, they went with the uh, name yes, Mars. Yes, of course. Yes, of course. And he is this hotshot CEO who clearly is, you know, kind of this like no nonsense, like just tell me the good stuff kind of guy. And he's like, there is no everybody else. Like it's, you're just answering to him. Which yeah, they I'm laid sure, off everybody else and it's just him now. I'm sure uh, the, I'm yeah, like this has to be a, like a public company, this like Global Tech. I doubt he's the owner of Glo- like the sole owner of Global Tech. Like, you think that he would want, or the board of Global Tech would want other? <laughs> Stark was publicly owned. Yeah, but he tended to he have owned a majority of the shares. Everything. Yeah, I get it. Like, yeah, he probably owns seventy seventy five percent of the shares. Maybe it, that's the situation here. I think so. You think this is a Tony Stark Vince McMahon I, I, situation? I I do think it is that sort of situation. It, it has to go through. It has to go through me. Yes. Or no matter Pepper what. Potts slash yep. Triple H. <laughs> I guess it would be Triple H. <laughs> I guess Triple H is the Pepper Potts. Is Triple H the Mrs. Kegel? <gasps> Someone look into this. <laughs> Well, we just lost all of our listeners because we talked about professional wrestling for 30 seconds. Anyway. I deal with it. So anyway, <laughs> you all know it's true. So anyway, Dennis Lurie walks in um, and, he, and he basically tells them that 
uh, he, he gives them kudos for inventing their last hit toy known as the Belch Brigade. Um, and they have this monster-looking character named Flat Chew, um, which is just a monster that farts and burps. Yep. Uh, but it you makes squeeze noises. it and it makes noises. It's pretty, you know, pretty standard, but I mean, I can see how that would have made a lot of money back in the day. Would make a lot of money now if we made an action figure that farts and burps. I think they do have those. You think the the you think the Belch Brigade is a thing? No, I think isn't like the the Garbage Patch Kids. Isn't that belch? what they do? I don't know what they do. I don't. I, I don't know. I don't. Here, okay. Let let me make this perf. Let me make this clear. And I am sitting in my office, which is surrounded by action figures and and Funko Pops and props and things like that. Just a few. I don't. I'm not overboard. I'm, I don't. I haven't gone overkill yet. <laughs> There's a couple of things that truly frighten me in this world. One of them are dolls and toys that look <laughs> too realistic. The garbage pail kids or garbage patch kids, whatever the hell they're called. Cabbage they're two patch different kids. ones, but yes. <laughs> Scare the hell out of me. <laughs> they look like they're evil. They look like they're going to try to murder me in the middle of the night. And we're about to talk about a movie where where toys do try to murder you in the middle of the night. But th- those things scare me. So I don't know if they fart or burp because I never would want one. <laughs> the Belch Brigade, though, looks like a lot of fun. So Mars... Uh, uh, what you kind of get the idea of, like we said earlier, is that like Irwin's the idea guy. Larry refines it into something for marketing. Um, but Mars sits there and he wants them to give the presentation. This, this comes, and growing up, Rachel, we had the, I'm sure it's still at mom's house. We had the clamshell VHS of this movie. And we, I know I watched it a lot as a kid. Yes. I, I, I can't rem- remember if you remember watching it a lot as a kid. Well, I probably watched it with you, but I also remember watching it a lot on the VHS tape. So. <laughs> One of there's a few lines in here that I'm gonna point out because I can just remember like they've stuck with me not not as much as the uh, the one line but there's this line has stuck with me forever too, which is he start Irwin starts giving the presentation and he turns because he realizes he hasn't really like acknowledged Mr. Mars mm-hmm. yet so he mm-hmm. goes like oh hi, uh, hi how are you today and Mars goes I'm late <laughs> and and he does it with like this like very like it doesn't matter like move yep. on. Um, and for some reason that's always stuck with me. I, I've never been able to use that in a normal setting because I would just look like a dick, but like, <laughs> God, what a power move to just be like, <laughs> I'm late. Um, which is weird because they all, like, Irwin also said he was early. So I find that odd that he was late <laughs> when Irwin was like, oh my God, she's early. Why is well, he early? Well, he's early for that meeting, but to Mars, to a guy uh... that, that, you know, that's late. Like, that's I gotta get, I gotta get to let's move, let's go on in like Iraq a, or whatever. We're on a schedule. I don't know what we were doing in 98, Serbia or Yugoslavia or whatever we were well, doing. Well, I think in... at the end they were going after the Russians or no, no, someone, something no, in South, South Africa. America. South America. I think he says South America. Um... So Irwin starts introducing the Gorgonites, and he has shitty cutouts and drawings of They're all the cute, Gorgonites. <laughs> I, I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I think we should start with the names. So, do you want to go through the names of the Gorgonites, or do you want me to go through the names of the Gorgonites? 
I mean, if you want me to do the Gorgonites and you do the... I'll do the Commando Elite. That's fine. Uh, a key part of the Gorgonites, and we'll get to their voice acting later, but other than Archer, they're all voiced by the uh, the, spin- the Spinal Tap band from this. The Spinal Tap. Add that to the list, by the way. Uh, but go ahead, Rachel. Give us... Who are the Gorgonites? We have Archer, who is their leader. Well, the let me, emissary let me, I, I, of the Gorgonites. Let, let me go. It's all right. Okay, I'm sorry. I'm stealing your thunder. Yes, thank you. We have Archer, the leader. We have. He is Archer, the emissary of the Gorgonites. Troglacon. Troglacon. Yes, the barbarian navigator. He navigates according to. <laughs> he, he 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 navigates. <laughs> Ocula, which is a scout. The he looks. He's just a big eyeball. Slam Fist, the Enforcer, a.k.a. Quasimodo. Quasimodo. He's just a Quasimodo <laughs> ripoff. Definitely. Which I don't... Hunchback of Notre Dame had to come out at some point around this time because they do a couple lines from Hunchback of Notre Dame. 1996. Okay, so a couple years before. Okay. Insaniac, the Attack Specialist. I hate this character. <laughs> As a child, because I was a child, he made me laugh. So, <laughs> but he just reminds me of Freakazoid. Then we have Punch It, the muscle defense strategist who looks like a rhino. See the rhino? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And then Scratch It, uh, Punch It's sidekick and fighting partner who's just like this little bouncy like frog thing. thing. It, it looks he like just has like toy. two hands that he bounces on. And he's just a head. It's very hard to describe these things. <laughs> You're right, though. Insaniac does look like Freakazoid. Yes. Like a blue Freakazoid. He spins around and everything. Um, and Archer looks like a cat person. Yeah. Kind of. Yeah. He's, yeah. <laughs> it's like Avatar, but if Avatar was brown instead of blue. Oh, yeah. Yeah, kind of, actually. He's got that kind of a look to him. Yeah, well, because he's like, he's kind of got, he's got the, the yeah. I don't even know how to describe this at all. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to have to just Google these things, folks. But Erwin talks about how um, the whole point of the Gorgonites is that they are lost. They're trying to get back to Gorgon, which is yes. their home world. They're gentle creatures. They're they're and and they're they're trying to learn, and the more that they can learn about our world, the more that they can find their way back to their world. Uh, so his hope is that it by playing with the Gorgonites, it will help, and it will have kids learn about our world, um, so that they can find Gorgon. I have a feeling that there's probably like an environmental message that he wants to get across there. I too. would think so, yeah, um, or something to that effect. It's it that's at least what it seemed like, right. The second that Erwin says learn, he cuts him off. And he, he just says, like, next. Mm-hmm. He doesn't want anything to do with learning. And that's when Larry introduces Major Chip Hazard. <laughs> Sorry, what, what were you going to say? I was going to say, of course, he has a prototype made already instead of just having, yeah. like, an idea board. It's, it's called Multimedia, Erwin. Look into it. <laughs> and this and is where c- they use the uh the, th- the theatrical trailer <laughs> pretty much uh and it shows chip hazard 
who is played by Tommy Lee Jones. It's voiced by Tommy Lee Jones. It looks just like the villain in in Avatar. So just another thing that Avatar ripped off is it does. It looks just oh, like 100%, that guy. 100%. Or Cable. I mean, either way. Is Avatar on the list? It. Oh, yeah. Add Avatar to the list. Okay. Keep mentioning um, it. But he, he does look kind of like Cable as well. Yeah. And, and uh, he's Tommy that, Lee Jones... He's, that, he's the, the, like, the... The square the flat cut, top. yeah, flat yeah. top soldier man. It, that's soldier all you man. have. What you think of is a soldier man. Old soldier man. Old soldier man is that's what yeah. that's what he is. And Tommy Lee Jones, by the way, because I, I know we we credited a lot of the crew with being really good earlier in the show, but he is he's doing a really he's actually he's trying. Like oh, he's I excellent. could see Tommy Lee Jones like coasting through this to like just get his paycheck. He's not doing that. He's he's putting some effort into these line readings that he gives. Again, though, I he think. could just be enjoying himself. And sure. then it just comes across that way. So this could be him coasting because he's just having fun doing this <laughs> and then going to the next thing. Well, it's a, it's a year after Two-Face. Uh, add that to the list. Oh, yeah. But uh, they, they reference that later, too. And um, so maybe he was just happy to be doing something that wasn't an abomination. The commercial shows Chip Hazard punching out of the box and Mars stops them because he's like, does it really punch out of the box? And they say no. And he gets disappointed. And Dennis Leary goes on a little bit of, I didn't write it down, but he goes on a little bit of a rant Mm -hmm. that's just a Dennis Leary stand-up thing where he's like, I'm sick and tired of seeing trucks then climb to the top of Mount Rushmore. I'm sick and tired of people having shampoo that tells them they can look like Claudia Schiffer or whatever he says. Right. And he wants, he wants his advertising to do exactly what it says it can do. Right. And he thinks that he can make the toys play back using Globotech technology. Right. Which Irwin kind of thinks that's not possible. Even Larry is like uh, hesitant on it. But, but he also wants to kiss his ass, so he doesn't say he's hesitant. And they're like, we're part of Globotech. Like, there's going to be something that can make this pretty high, high tech. On top of that, they're like, we'll put in a, a lithium cell, a Globotech mm-hmm. uh, lithium cell, so that it lives forever. You never have to replace the batteries on it. Which, Which is like, an interesting tactic. But I guess, like, okay. <laughs> I mean that's a pretty it's a good idea. It is yeah. actually like a pretty good synergistic like, move. Like if you wait, I don't have to that don't... buy batteries for this. Yeah. yeah, like exactly. Like nowadays there's not as much with batteries because you just recharge it through a USB Typically. port or whatever. Well it's a battery itself that's being recharged. Yeah. So like they're, they're That eventually will go out. So Yeah. They're re- they're ready for it. So he leaves, but before he oh Two things before he leaves, then he he asks them, like, what do these soldiers need? Mm-hmm. And Ms. Kegel, because the other two are doofuses. Well, because they aren't in the war games. They're not in the war game. She tells him, enemies. And he, Mars comes up with the idea that the Gorgonites will be the enemies. These are hideous monsters, and they'll be hunted down by the command of wheat. 
So now they have this premise, and Erwin, of course, is upset about this because he doesn't. That's not his idea for the Gorgonites. The Gorgonites are supposed to be the, like pacifists. Yes, and he says, "Isn't that isn't that violent? Isn't that isn't that a, a little violent?" And this is another line that comes back to it, and it's a line that that is kind of the summary of mm-hmm. of the theme of the show. Don't you think that's a um, a bit violent? Exactly. So don't call it violence. Call it action. Kids love action. It sells. And that is pretty much your premise of small soldiers. Doesn't he also <laughs> say they're just toys? Oh, yeah. He says, like, yeah, what are you worried about? They're just toys. Which, of course, is the, like, foreshadowing, like, winky-wink, nudgy-nudge moment mm-hmm. for everybody in the in the theater. You get the dark music right after he says it. I don't know if it does another... No, 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 but it's just like a... It's just like this hum of, like, ooh, like, foreboding. But they do come up with the line, which is, like, the whole thing for the soldiers. Oh, yeah, go ahead. uh, Everything else is just a toy. Everything else is just a toy, yes. Which I like that Larry comes up with it, because he is, like, more of the marking guy, and then Mars kind of, like changes it by it was anything else and now it's everything else is just a story right and one thing that i pointed out and i don't know if you noticed this either but it is 1998 i felt like their suits were too big like dennis leary's suit fit him and i didn't know if this was like trying to be like a status thing or whatever but like didn't Irwin and larry's suits they were like they like too big for them well especially Irwin, and i do think it is a status thing i, I think it's just to establish their personalities <laughs> like, with they don't their have suits. like a lot of okay like Irwin is that kind of like sloppy because he's just the idea man that's like that's what he does for a living and then you have uh larry who's a bit more straight cut because he talks and he has that more charismatic charm mm. so he had he a has little to, like, better fitting right suit. and then you have the the main <laughs> mars who is like perfect it's suit a custom that's tailored, tailored to him yeah. absolutely okay. i think it's just I... a personality thing all right i like that um they are told by ms Ke- ms kegel that they expect these toys to be shipped within three months which right away erwin is like it can't be done in three months you have to go through focus groups and you have to go through product testing and you have to go through all this stuff and and Larry's quick to be like, no, 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 no. Like, we'll get it in three months. Like, we'll we'll be eat- Mars will be eating out of our hand if we can make him money. Like, mm-hmm. that we just have to show that we're good at this, and and then we'll be able to do whatever. We'll be set for life, kind of a thing. Um, so she gives them access. I thought this was odd that they get full access mm-hmm. to everything. Yeah, this is okay. <laughs> this is a. Horrible security. Well, it system. was. Bef- this is before Enron. This is the night. This is, this is a, the this swing is in the a, Wild West nineties. This is the worst security system. You don't even have a username. This is the worst I security that too. system. I thought that too. You just like, need to have I've a password. But yes, they're given permission to everything. everything. And she gives them. She gives them these cards with their passwords on it, which I guess you don't need a username. And uh, th- she tells them not to tell and of course uh erwin immediately tells that his is mine's gizmo oh i love it so another gremlins reference gremlins by the add that to the i I think we added it to the list last time on last on the last episode but yeah i'm pretty sure i brought it up then too (laughs) uh so jay moore is is larry is trying to set up uh the prototypes and he's trying to find the microchip that's going to go into the into the toys to make 
them walk and talk and, and, and act like, and be able to play back. Uh, so he can't remember his password, so he puts in Gizmo. So he, he takes the, the he other pretty, guy's password. Yep. Yes. Um, which is, again, which, why didn't they just change the passwords if he said, I, just, I don't, that's what I'm saying. There's no username. They didn't change the password after he says it out and loud. And you're a military company. It's the worst. It's the worst. It's so, it would be so easy to hack their system because you don't even have to have a username now. You just can try as many, like you can just have set it up to try to break in with any password imaginable. Stupid. But he's looking for he's looking for chips. He decides to try to find, and I didn't think that this was necessarily. This becomes like a big deal later on. Like they like Irwin's like pissed at him, but he type the things he types in are not that unreasonable. He types in microprocessor. I think I can't remember what the first thing he types in multiprocessor something like that. I can't remember. I think he types in microprocessor because he knows it needs to be small enough to fit into the toy. Uh, he types in state of the art. Because mm-hmm. he's 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 doing he's trying to do like a advanced search because he doesn't want to deal with a lot of crap because he doesn't know what fucking chips to put in he's not a no military because guy. why don't they have like an engineer doing this but that's funny. <laughs> also very true <laughs> uh, and then the third thing he puts in is surplus because he knows he he can't take the good chips that the military is using there has to be a lot of them and there's only one that fi- there first of all how only is there one. only one <laughs> <laughs> but there's only one so he takes that chip. And it happens to be the X-1000. So he takes the X-1000, he buys it, and uh, we get our opening credits. That's the cold open. That Two movies in a row, by the way, that have cold opens in 1998 in small town Ohio. But we get our opening credits for Small Soldiers. And I actually like the opening credits here because yes. it's like the they're, it's like the making oh, of Oh, I love it. Chip it's a little Hazard montage. And Archer. And um, you get... Uh, Kirsten Dunst, top build. Do you notice Interesting. That? What was she in before this? I think Interview with a Vampire, because she's oh, a that's little why. kid. That's why, then. She's probably the most famous person in the yeah, movie. Yeah, that, that is why, then. Um, which I, I, but I thought it should have been reversed. Like, perhaps Kirsten Dunst is still the most famous person in this movie, but she's not the lead like like the right. lead is probably alan abernathy i oh, yeah, don't yeah. know what the actor's name is and that's why he's still that top build but <laughs> um and tommy lee jones and frank langella get get those and frank langella and tommy lee jones as archer and chip hazard which they should so anyway there's that uh again this is a great piece of score um da 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 dun da dun da da dun dun da dun it's great it's amazing i love it i love it <laughs> so after we get that making of the model uh, of the molds of them we cut to alan on his bike so alan is going to be our main kid he is uh if they would have made this 5 years earlier this would have been eddie furlong the terminator kid if it what he's he obviously was too old to do this so they just pulled in this uh guy his name is gregory smith he's been in some other stuff but this is probably his most well-known role i i I haven't known him from anything else rich i I don't know if you've got any uh Um, anything else he was also in the patriot apparently oh okay i know who he was in the patriot yeah add him to the list and he's on the show Everwood, which I have never seen. 
Um, but he's he's mostly does TV stuff now. Yeah, apparently he was in Afraid of the Dark. Are you afraid of the dark? I'm that, sure. I, you know what? I'm adding that to the list. Are you afraid of the dark? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think that's fair. Alan's on his bike. It's Oktoberfest. Yep. So now we know the time apparently. of the year. And it's in small town Ohio. Um, and he stops off because his dad owns a small toy shop called the Inner Child. And uh, we immediately get the kind of idea of, of how well this is this toy store is doing because a grandma is walking with her grandkids and says, oh, look at how lovely the toys look. And, and the, the grandkid says, like, this place never has anything good. It's uh, Which, again, I think is supposed to be a commentary because... The toys in this toy store are old ass toys. Yes. They're like they're... quaint little toys, like fun, cute they're... things, but. Yeah, but like who's. Uh, to everyone's point in this movie, who's buying this stuff? Like, I get it. I get it. We're doing something right now that I find to be very niche. I don't expect to become a millionaire doing this. I don't think that Kevin Dunn should expect to become a millionaire, but make it selling Ray. The only thing I recognized in that store was there's a Matilda doll somewhere in it. <laughs> I don't think he was expecting to be a millionaire, though. I think, think he was trying like... to keep the 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 quaint uh, a lifestyle alive. I think he was trying to keep the um, technology filled era. Um, like at bay a little bit yeah there's a little bit of anti-technology in this movie and and i respect that because hey you know what a funk a fucking slinky it used to be better having the having (laughs) you use your imagination you want chip hazard to talk to you you put a voice of chip hazard in your head and you have him talk to you while you play with the figures you don't need to have him talk play back that's that's too much you're you're not getting you're not getting a full sense of and maybe that's the whole point of like the inner child keeping the wonder trying to mm-hmm. yeah you're trying to have an imagination or whatever i digress he he is reading so he's sitting at the table he's reading a motocross magazine i don't know if you i, I picked this up rewatching it which comes into play because kirsten dunce has a moped i oh, think okay um, so he is, he, I don't know why. Well, the, the boyfriend know. has a motorcycle. Well, it's a, it's the 90s, too. And, yeah. and who, who, who didn't have a, a moped or motocross during the 90s? In, oh, first what happens is we get the great Dick Miller, uh, who is delivering some toys to the shop. He's playing Joe, the delivery man. Dick Miller, of course, also in Gremlins. Mm-hmm. He might as well be playing the same character. Yep. <laughs> it might as well have been Mr. Futterman. His name might as well be Joe Futterman. Because I don't know if we ever get Mr. Futterman's first name in Gremlins. Um, but I want to say that this is a shared cinematic universe between Gremlins and Small Soldiers. At least in my head canon, that's the way it is. And he's the Heartland Express or Heart- Heartland Toys uh, delivery guy. Murray. Murray Futterman. Oh, Murray Futterman. I know. I wish it was Joe because it's just Joe for... Well, he does basically die in that movie, so... It's true. Maybe he had to rename... Maybe maybe because of the events of Gremlins, he survives and the wife dies, but they have to cover up the Gremlins attack, 
So he uh, changes his name to Joe Futterman, and he's clearly a different guy. Moves to Ohio, becomes a, a delivery man for Heartland uh, toys. It all makes sense now. I a hundred percent, absolutely, it makes sense. So Dick Miller uh, comes in and he has like the stock. Alan kind of asks him, like, "Is this a new, uh, new truck?" Like, oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah he's... new something. Yeah. He says, "New owner," and and, and we get right. another and theme the logo here. And... He said, "Oh, and he is yep." Pretty soon, everything in the world is going to be owned by one giant corporation, and and then he adds on, and that'll be goodbye microbreweries. But that is clearly this. There is an anti-giant corporation, which I think we are too, Rachel. We we you know we don't want ever we don't want something owned. <sighs> <laughs> if Disney, if you're out there and you want to buy Shelf Life, we're listening. But you better we, give we, me a good offer, though. We, we we do that is a they're they're it's kind of ahead of its time, especially if it's a commentary on corporations and specifically about movies and, and entertainment and, and visual media. Mm-hmm. We're living in a time right now where there is one company that owns an asinine amount of IP yes. compared to the other big companies and there's a problem with that right now going on so it, it is another like uh message to quote uh south central or uh, don't be a menace um it's another message to, to keep in mind it's like the the big uh, bigger a corporation gets the it almost seems like they're trying to say the less structured it is which isn't is not the case but um, that's kind of the Joe Dante thesis, I think. Mm. Um, so while, while he's grabbing stuff off the truck, and I am interested to know, other than the Commando Elite and the Gorgonites, what is Alan's dad buying from Heartland Toys? Probably because like the dolls everything and else things. Is so, you think like dolls and stuff? Yeah. Because like it's so, everything else in the store well, is quaint. Like, but that's, like that's what they've and... always bought from. And if you looked at the toys that were in their cases, they were like dolls. They were, they were the Mr. Stuff. Potato Heads. Yeah. They were like uh, they were like Tinker Toys and things like that, where you'd build stuff. I don't. I don't think that it was always the mm. the big Lobotex things. Now I think it was those small things before. That and they also had the electronic toys. So I mean, obviously, this is who they've been buying stuff from for years. I do you, I don't think that Alan's dad bought the Belch Brigade though. No, I don't think he has the Belch Brigade. <laughs> He we missed didn't out. See, we didn't see him on the shelf, so. That's true. I I I think that he missed out on some profit if he would have just gotten the Belch Brigade but flat shoe in now, there. But that's Alan's point. Do you think that flat shoe... So, nowadays, because everything is being made into a movie, do you think that the Belch Brigade movie... It would be a, a TV thing show. in this universe? Oh, a TV show? Yeah, it'd be a TV show. Like a... Like, like a, a, like a mini-series. Uh, possibly. Is it or, live or, or action? Or Disney Plus, I think, is more so where it would be. Well, it is. I mean, this is DreamWorks, so it could be a Peacock, potentially. Oh, yeah, or it could be a Peacock. I think it's just one of those random shows that has, like, one season. Oh, you never... Nobody ever advertises it. It's been on there. There's Maybe it's anime. That, like, of kids who are obsessed with it. <laughs> That's about it. Like, like, today, like, kids... Like, adults are like, There's a Belch Brigade animated series? Holy shit! Yeah. 
and yeah. then they watch flat shoot i don't know what the end i i wish we could come up with an enemy for the belch brigade like who their mortal enemy is i you know what i think it what, is elka seltzer okay <laughs> it's either so yes Pepto-Bismol? there's definitely like that's one of the enemies it's like it's like a little like it's like a it's, it's like this like amorphous blob that looks like Pepto-Bismol. yes um like that's one of them but then another one of them is, like, food that makes you, like, that relieves your gas. Like, the opposite. Broccoli? <laughs> well, it's either that or it is, like, beans or stuff. Oh, well, because, okay. like, it, if but maybe think, the Belch... But be part of the Belch Brigade? Cause... I'm thinking that the Belch Brigade's... Their, their power comes from their Belches and their farts. But it also can be their detriment. It's like kryptonite. Like, if they fart and Belch too much... How are they going to be, like, effective in whatever the Belch Brigade does? Well, my favorite thing is that you're making them into a superhero right now. <laughs> well, what do you think they do? You don't. You think that they're Captain Planet? I don't know. Like, I what kind of they thought do? they were the bad guys. <laughs> oh, you think they're the bad guys? Yes. Oh, now that's interesting. That actually might make more sense. Because then if they're fueled by, by junk food. Yes. Then it's a way to teach kids how to, like, eat better. And that kind of goes into the whole Irwin idea about teaching I like that idea. I like this. This is a hell of an idea right here. <laughs> I'm sure we can't patent the Belch Brigade because it's in a movie. Right. Yes. But I mm. like this. I mean, they only show Flat Shoe. Maybe we can That's make true. the rest of the Belch Brigade. And then we can... Um, and just uh, give it to DreamWorks. Buy the rights from Steven Spielberg. <laughs> Or at least tell Steven Spielberg that we'd like a Belch Brigade. Okay, folks at home, here's what I want you to do. I want you to, we need to, we need to make a, a, a hashtag, a hashtag Belch Brigade movie. If we can get that Bring trending. Bring back Belch Brigade. Oh, no, you're right. That's more, that's more trendy. Bring back the Belch Brigade. Hashtag bring back the Belch Brigade. If we can do that to DreamWorks and Universal... Maybe we can get a Belch Brigade miniseries or movie going. And that would just, if we can get that, I'll know that, that we've accomplished something as part of this podcast. It's all we need. It's all we need. All right. So anyway, the small soldiers, because the Belch Brigade is not, unfortunately, the rest of this movie. We got to talk about the Commando Elite and the Gorgonites. So Anthony, Anthony, <laughs> Alan Abernathy sees the boxes for the Gorgonites, the Commando Elite, and he asks what that is. And Joe's like, oh, let's take a look. Because I guess he, they, he just opens the boxes all the time. Apparently. None of uh, this is legal. <laughs> <laughs> no, he could easily get fired for this. And he, in fact, he says it later on. Well, just uh, opening the box he could get fired for. He's not as worried about so. that. Yeah, oh, yeah, you could. Mm -hmm. Like how, all right. One thing that I noticed about this is they they pull Chip Hazard out of the box. He has what, one of oh those plastic ties. It is the easiest toy to get out of a box ever, ever made. But though, but it does have the plastic tie thing on it. Like you see tied. him like unclip it, and you, and I think that he do, he they do do this, and like he knows like how to get those ties back on there to make it look like they didn't oh, take probably. him out of the box. But later on, when Chip does punch his way out of the box. If he had that damn tie wrapped around his waist, none of this would have happened. But that's what I mean. They literally just pull the plastic <laughs> off 
and pull out the. It's not even tied in the back. They just pull it out. I don't think oh, no. that they I, are. I think they sat in. there and they. I think that he oh, had I to like, do so. it intricate because he, he's he's gonna try to retie this later. Right. You think I, it was just it's shoddy only one twisty? It's one twisty tie. Usually there's like six of those damn things everywhere. You have you're like trying to safely open the box, but then you rip it and it's a big paint. They just take the little plastic off and pull the one twist tie off, and immediately they can play with the toy. That's insane. Do you think this is you think this is Globotech shoddy uh, controls again? Just uh, more 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 of this like war time. Like <laughs> now that like ah fuck it. Put a twisty tie in there, it'll be fine. <laughs> uh, so they Cutting activate corners. they activate both of them. They activate Chip Hazard by saying Ten Hut, I think, and he's he does yep. his major Chip Hazard reporting for duty. Which mm-hmm. I guess I didn't even think about this, but the name is supposed to be pretty like on the nose. Oh yeah. Like Major Chip Hazard. Like that's right. he's that's a chip the hazard. Force. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and Archer, uh Franklin Franklin Jella doing the voice. I I, I, like, I will I like go on it. record saying that I think Archer's a good character. Mm-hmm. I, I really do like Archer, um, and he has this very very soft spoke. I can't. Oh, do I it like it because it's just very distinct. Greetings, I am Archer, emissary of the Gorgonites. We hear that a lot this this entire movie. <laughs> um, Alan wants to buy a set of them off of Joe so that he can sell them at the store so that the store makes some money because I mean you take one look at these toys, you know that they're gonna they're gonna sell out, they're gonna make money. Right. And um we we get we get Joe saying like your dad's policy is no war toys. Uh but Alan convinces Joe to do it. It'll help them sell something. I, I did like I do like this relationship that like Joe has with the kid. Like he is like yeah, you can I don't tell like your kinda, tone. Yeah. You can but tell he like, kind of like... too loud. It's like this like old uncle kind mm-hmm. of thing. He's very warm to him. Yeah. Really he realizes that Alan wants to wants to do something good. Right. Um we get this we get a little bit of like uh, like a forbearance where at some point Joe's like, he left you in charge and like Alan's like, Yeah, I guess he has to like trust me again, or maybe he's starting to trust me again, I think is the mm-hmm. way he phrases it. So he realizes that the kid's trying to do something good. He, he convinces Joe to give him a set. So he gets a set of organized, a set of Commando Elite. And um, and he even gives him the cutouts. He gives him the cutouts. He gives him a lot of marketing material, oh, which yeah. I thought was interesting. Because like I can't imagine that there's double... Because he even says, like, this is going to Toy Worlds. It's which their I think whole is just, thing their for the Toys month. Toys R Us. Which, kids, Toys R Us was a great store. It's it's. I think they're trying to bring it back. But... Well, they're still in Europe and stuff. In Canada. Oh. They, well, they just, go. and they're, our international they're, they're, lizard listeners still know what it is. They're debating on coming back to us. Hey, in the future, they may have. <laughs> I think they're trying to bring them back. Okay. Um, somebody was trying to buy them, I thought, but it's just a big toy store. And so I would have thought that all that stuff was for that toy world, but he gives it to Alan mm-hmm. to like put up a display. Alan. I, I was going to say this at some point during this podcast. I don't know how old he is. I was imagining that he's 14 or 15. Okay. I think that's fair. I think he's a freshman. I think that Kirsten Dunst is older. I think Kirsten Dunst is I think Kirsten like Dunst is 15. Because her boyfriend has to at least be of age of driving. To ride, to drive. Yes. And she likes older guys. Mm-hmm. See, the way I think of it is Alan's a freshman. Yes. She's a junior. 
her boyfriend's a senior. I thought she was a sophomore. I thought she was actually closer to Alan's age. Okay. I, I, she, I, she is older than Alan, though. Yes. I, okay. I think she's a little older. And then she's going for, like, a guy that's at least a year or two older. Than older. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. Okay. okay. <laughs> um, so uh, the, the only other thing to point out in this Joe scene is that when Joe and Alan are talking, you, you get an idea that, like, the toys are sentient because they both turn and look at each other. Mm-hmm. Like, that's, like, the only, like, little interaction that you get there. Um, but they're supposed to interact. That's they how are they were made. Um, so Kirsten Dunst, playing Kurt Christie, uh, mm-hmm. shows up with her little brother to the toy store. I don't know why she decided to go to this toy store instead of just going to the mega toy store. Like, because she her her whole thing is like she's her brother's trying to pick out something for his birthday because he's clearly spoiled. Um, she is too. Mm-hmm. But um, I don't know why you wouldn't just go to the regular toy store. It seems weird. But part of me is wondering if she purposely went there because she knew he worked there. And she played dumb the whole time. Well, she does say at some point, like, oh, I know who you are. Or, like, mm-hmm. I've heard about like, you. So so she she does say at some point, like, she does like the bad boy. She's intrigued by the fact that he's kind of a bad boy. Um, or, like, has a reputation. Yes. Um, we should point out as well that Alan is aggressively horny, <laughs> in my opinion. Oh, good lord. He's checking his breath. He's slicking his stupid 90s haircut back He's with got the a crush part on down her. the middle. Oh, please. He doesn't even know who she is. I, I think they do. They've seen each other at school before. Well, the other thing to point out, too, is that they are neighbors. So right. they, they probably have so seen each other So he probably could see her from his room. Okay. Horny teenager. Okay. <laughs> i don't know about that but i i do think that you're probably right that they do know each other um or they they know each other but they, they know met. of each other yes yeah. this is the first time that they're meeting um so this is where we get a little more of idea of the, the the store is filled with some old-fashioned toys um and timmy the little brother walks into the back room and chip you you get some dialogue of chip hazard and archer like Chip Hazard's like, you know, got Archer cornered or something like that. It feels that and way. And Timmy sees it, and and Ar- uh, um, Chip Hazard's Chip. like civilian. Like, which side are you on? Yeah, and yeah. then shoots him. <laughs> like he doesn't yeah, even let him answer. Him like he just immediately like, yeah, shoots thing. him in the head. I was interested because he gives him like a little warning shot here. Mm-hmm. Um, so Chip Hazard is a Chip Hazard. Is, has a one-track mind. And as a kid, I remember him being a much more in-depth character. He's got one goal. Kill the Gorgonite scum. Period. Yep. But he has a soldier's mentality where he's only after the Gorgonites at first. So he gives a little warning shot to Timmy. I, w- I am curious if by giving this little warning shot with whatever piece of shit little plastic like thing that they that comes with the if he's like okay that's not going to do because that didn't do anything right so i need to up the weaponry mm-hmm. it's a it's a thought he does think he does say it later when he does the lineup the... he breaks the gun and says yeah this is exactly work. yeah standard standard issued is, isn't good enough so i think right. this is where he learns that like i think that yes because he's, he's pretty much saying to them no, no no i already used this thing it doesn't work it's not good um, 
so he Timmy wants a major chip. I want a major chip hazard. I want this one. And and Alan's like, I don't know where they went. I'll I'll, I'll hold one because mm-hmm. she has to go convince the the parents to get them because they're a lot. We'll get to the price in a little while or at, at the end. Um, but she's gonna leave, and they and there is like a little bit of flirtation where she's like, you know, show you know, see you around sometime or like show say up. Say hi. Sometime. Say hi. Yeah. Um, but then we say, see... they said bye and then she goes, we'll say hi sometimes. Oh yeah. Okay. So it's cuter than that. All right. Mm-hmm. All right. Christy, Christy Fimple. And <laughs> they, it's the worst last name. Um, but they get, uh, they leave the boyfriend shows up and the boyfriend is the most nineties boyfriend ever. It might as well. So I, I wrote down the boyfriend looks like a knockoff version of Brad from Home Improvement. That's how 90s we're getting. And then it yep. turns out that his name is Brad. <laughs> <laughs> yep. He's just he's this tall blonde kid. You know, Brad with the, with the square head <laughs> and the part in the middle, just like Alan has. And he's on um, he's on a, a motorcycle. Motor? motorcycle motorcycle and uh and he's his name is brad so he's definitely a 90s kid i'm gonna say this about the name brad i think it should have died in 1999 because it just says you were born in the 90s like i'll give you like 1987 maybe to 1999 but after that no more brads (laughs) because it just it it just is so peak nineties to it, me. Yeah, and you know, like the type of person they are when you just hear Brad. <laughs> it's it's just there's such a stereotype a with it, and it's real. It's true. Uh, so Art Allen finds them ba- both in the back. Hazard was ha- ha- Hazard had a compass up to Archer. <laughs> I think right, like he was gonna kill Archer with yes, a compass. Yes, I'm pretty sure. It looks like he's gonna stab him. Um, but but he puts them back in their boxes. So because he he thinks like well Chip Hazard's probably been sold Archer not 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 so uh, much yeah not maybe because maybe he'll get both because the kid wants both but I mean you you need the enemy right you need right. to have something to that fight. interaction which I just thought of this I was like do I have did I have any toys that actually interacted with each other Furbies. the answer is yes it is it's Furbies I yeah. had Furbies. The creepy ass things that would wake themselves up in the middle of the night, go, ha, and scare the hell out of me, and then start talking to each other. Which might have been around the same time that Furbies was a craze. Because I think it was. And, and I remember, like, so Ma, our mom, we we'll didn't, just be known as we Mom. Didn't, we didn't fall into the trends all the time, but I remember she still got us Furbies because. Our mom is a compulsive Black Friday shopper. She's got to get the thing that everyone is trying to get. And there had to have been a year where the Furbies were the thing. 1998. Yeah, exactly. This is the same fucking year. So these things, I don't know how to... It's a stupid looking... All right, it's a ball it's of a fur. ball of fur. It's got eyes, and it's got, like, a beak for a mouth, right? And then these big gizmo ears. They kind of look like it gizmo. It does look kind of like a, a gizmo, yeah. A chicken nugget mixed with gizmo. Yeah. Yeah. And I had a pink one, and then I had a baby Furby that was light blue and light pink. 
and you were supposed to like feed them and yeah. the more and the 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 thing they were supposed to quote unquote learn mm -hmm. so the more you talked to them the more they could learn and, and replicate you. your your speech and stuff um i don't know if they actually did because i don't think either of us ever played with them enough to like start forming sentences but i think that they were that was the idea oh yeah they were the weirdest things but they would. They would wake themselves up in the middle of the night. And I just remember that, ah, as they would wake up and start talking. Uh, there are Furbies on sale on eBay. The price varies. Uh, you can get them for either $19.99 or $300. There's some for $75. But they basically. Well, now they're right. more electronic. Their eyes aren't even like real ball eyes where they blink. They're the electronic eyes. That are like a like a screen. That's what the newest ones be turned into. They still are making them. I don't know if they still, but I know that's what the last ones were. I I. But that is that is the ideal. I think like this is a, it's a Furby like product. I mean, it's a state of the, it's more advanced than what Furby was. But that was that was the craze that year. Um, we're getting Furbies, and it died off. Like I do think that had the Commando Elite and the gorgonites not been murderous they probably would have been a fad just like the furbies oh yeah absolutely but you're right that definitely a furby like thing um so alan's trying to pack up for the day and he realizes that his dad forgot his plane ticket because his dad's going to like some seminar um, for small businesses. So he rides drive, rides home. And this is where we get uh, the introduction of Alan's parents. Um, the yeah, dad played mother. by... Sorry? His weird mother. <laughs> well, his The mother... outfit. And then she's like... Well, a... she is, I thought she was a stewardess. Is she... With that outfit. I don't know what she is. <laughs> I don't. Maybe that was just the fashion back in the day, Rach. Um, Anyways... But... Her, his dad is played by Kevin Dunn, who I think of as a professional movie dad because he's the dad in this and he's the dad in Transformers. So to me, he's just a movie dad. Wow. He is movie dad. <laughs> That's a good way to and, put it. And the weird thing about this is I think that he looks younger in Transformers, which we'll add to the list, than he does in this movie. It's very odd <laughs> to me, especially considering like, when you go with Shia LaBeouf nine years or eight years later, whatever it is, and this, like, it's only like a three-year age gap difference that we're talking about between the sons, mm -hmm. but it's the same guy. It's 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 interesting. Um, but yeah, uh, the dad, we get the idea that, like, they moved to this town recently. They're trying to, like, be in a less stressful environment, and we uh, have... We get get turned to the neighbors where Kristen Dunst is there with her family, and we get the introduction of Phil Fimple, played by Phil Hartman, and I, I was laughing like he get like he he's just the greatest. Like I was just laughing. What's up? I out here was just telling was just telling me that the angle of the Earth's tilt on its axis relative to the geocentric orbit of the transmission satellite restricts the placement for optimum reception. Uh, yeah. In other words, this tree is in the way. He gives this great speech. You can tell that the guy with the satellite dish thinks that he wasn't going to remember all of it. And it's just the delivery is just oh, so... It's, it's spot on. Goddamn good. 
so goddamn good. It's such a fucking shame. He would have been in so much stuff. He would have been in the MCU. Oh, he would have been in no doubt. all these movies playing these little bit parts. It, it, it's he could have he could have given us so much more. Mm-hmm. Um, but yes, he's in this. He's great. He gives us this speech, and he needs to cut this tree down to get better satellite reception. That's key. He's they an set ignorant up the satellite. ass, though. I mean, come on. <laughs> oh no, I wouldn't want him as a neighbor. God, like, no. No, I, I definitely don't. Want, no, he. I'm not saying that he's the hero of the oh, story. Oh no, no, I know. I'm saying I know. He's, a, he's playing this character well. This character is an ass. He's an asshole. An ass. <laughs> he's a terrible, terrible neighbor. So he starts cutting down the Abernathy's tree. Um, and I also got I also got a laugh for it because Kevin Dunn comes running out saying, like, don't cut down the tree. And he's like, you're probably giving us cancer with all your electronic crap. And I and I got another laugh because Phil Hartman goes, there's never been any conclusive study that there's this link between. <laughs> like, he just. Oh, it was it was it's it's his delivery on everything. It's just great. And he and I think he purposely has like this slack jawed the entire way through the movie, too. Like, he's just this like kind of like, yeah, arrogant guy. Um, so, uh, Alan shows up, he, he gets, he gives his dad his ticket, um, and we get this, we get more of an idea, uh, oh, we get, we do get a callback line here because we get a, uh, way to be heads up, that line's repeated, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that's very, uh, Rocio Elliott writing it to me, because Pirates of the Caribbean has callback lines, mm-hmm. All the throughout time. the whole thing so does shrek so i feel like that's definitely like one of their things that they but i like that no i do too i think that's good you you and i will will differ on move on things every now and then we'll we'll definitely have episodes where we do that but oh yeah that'll be still, fun we still have that same kind of taste in writing mm-hmm. where we we as corny or as uh like nowadays people are i think overly cynical Mm-hmm. Where they'll be like, oh, like how fucking obvious that he, that was going to be a callback. It's like, that's that's fucking writing, man. Like, right. you want to have those things there. That. That's what makes it, that's what makes a narrative. That's what it makes brings it, it together. Fun. I don't know. So anyway, um, you get this idea that like they don't trust Alan. They think he's kind of a screw up of a son. And... Um, he kind of like storms off to his room. The I'll, I don't want to make this episode longer than it has to be, but the blueprints for this house I couldn't quite figure out. I want to see if you agree with me on this. He appears to have a secondary bedroom, not an attic bedroom, just a second story. Right. But he has his own staircase to his bedroom because I didn't realize that he can it's like leave. The... Archer later leaves the room and is still on the second floor. But he also has, like, this other, like, staircase that goes directly to his bedroom, which makes it almost look like a Billy Peltzer Gremlins okay. attic I was going to say, yes, that's exactly <laughs> what I'm thinking. And is it the same house? Well, it's not the did same they... house. Are you sure? I, well, I'm not sure. No, they, I'm not. They... Okay. <laughs> <laughs> to be honest, I'm not. I, didn't, I did not look that up. Folks at home, if it's the same house, write in, let us know. <laughs> Eventually, we'll have a Gmail shelf life at Gmail or some shelf life podcast or something like that. Um, 
so anyway, he has this attic, Billy Peltzer-ish looking bedroom that's also on the second floor. Um, it's that rubber band reality so that you can do the plot. But um, <clears throat> this is where he pulls out Archer because he realizes like, oh, I didn't realize like I brought Archer home. I didn't mean to do that. Like Archer was just in the backpack. And he does the, uh, you know, halt who goes there. So it activates mm -hmm. Archer and you get another greetings. I'm Archer. But this time he says, who are you? Mm -hmm. And he, he tells him, uh, I'm, I'm Alan, now shut up. Because so he was doing Ar his homework. And this is another line. I think this is a pretty famous line. Cut Greetings. to. <laughs> Cut Greetings, to. Alan, now shut up. Uh, so you get that uh, in there. And, and this whole time, Archer's kind of playing dumb. Alan's trying to... To, to to get him to admit that he said it. And I think this is a whole part of like Archer's programming being to hide. He doesn't want to reveal himself until he kind of trusts right. Alan. Right. I agree. He has a... Uh, he's very soft about how he does everything. He's very calculating. Uh, meanwhile, we get... Um, we go back to the store and Chip Hazard punches his way out of the box and he activates the rest of the crew... And he does a roll call of the commando elite. So is with this a with a United States flag puzzle background. Yes, which is supposed to be Patton. <laughs> um, and we find yeah, out. I that... just like that it was a puzzle. They had to put that puzzle together in order to do I it. I wondered if he put it together or if the dad <laughs> has it hanging up. Oh, because that's, that's true. <laughs> either way, I mean, I like your theory I just that, that see the a commando elite a puzzle like they're together. Like we have one mission. The mission is. To... <laughs> kill the gorgonites but we need to be dramatic about it so we're gonna put this fucking puzzle together yes <laughs> let me uh oh, yes. give name, you the names name us of, the soldiers of the commando elite off, soldiers! Uh, most of the the cast that played the commando elite are the dirty dozen mm -hmm. add that to the list of uh people that 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 were in the dirty dozen so we've got kip gilligan as briefly mentioned played by ernest borgnine I thought they said brick meat hook. It's butch meat hook, which is oh. still, it's a name. It's a space mutiny mystery science theater name. <laughs> butch meat hook played by Jim Brown. Link static played by Bruce Stern. Brick mm -hmm. bazooka played by George Kennedy. Nick nitro played by Clint Walker. Um, so they and all you can have... kind of tell what they are from their names. Right. Yeah. And they give they give the list of like whatever they do, like as they go down the roll call. Mm -hmm. This is another great piece of the score um, as well during this roll call. Um, but they talk in nothing but war cl cliches and you get their tagline that there will be no mercy. Mm -hmm. As he breaks uh, the fourth wall, kind of. So you get their idea that like he does kind of look at the camera. Um, so you do get the idea that there will be no mercy and I think this, again, goes back to the critiques of the military and the military-industrial complex of this idea that um, the the soldiers are, and I think this is supposed to be like the real-life soldiers are, are just like the toy soldiers. Mm -hmm. They're programmed to do one thing and one thing only, and that is the thing they do. Right. They talk in cliches. They have a mission. Um they do not think they are programmed to do what they do. And, and, I, and I think that you see that in the contrast with Archer and the Gorgonites, where, and you get the line from Archer telling Chip Hazard this later, like, I'm programmed to learn. Mm -hmm. like, are you programmed to learn? 
you're programmed to learn how to fulfill your mission, period. Right. Um, so I think that's supposed to be another critique on the military and the military industrial complex. It's, it's, it's very deep stuff probably for a kid's movie, um, which again is why that's, that wasn't the objective was to make the kid's movie. So anyway, he does a, he does a, a patent speech and he decides we need to kill the Gorgonites. Slam fist somehow act gets activated. I don't know what set him off, but he gets activated. I think they were activated anyways. I think they were all like aware, but again, like you were saying, the Gorgonites yeah. are hiding. Yeah. So I think when he realizes, oh, they're getting together, I have to talk to the other Gorgonites. Because mm-hmm. they are supposed to be interactive too. So maybe something that the other one said set him his sure. like scaredness Whatever off. His is. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> and we get a fade to black. So again, two weeks in a row, oh, two, two episodes in a row, we get another fade to black. Classic. Rachel's favorite thing is fades to black <laughs> in movies. Um, when when they come back, so Alan shows up the next day, the place has been trashed because the commandos are trying to find the Gorgonites. They assume that they're in the store with them, probably mm-hmm. because all the marketing shit is up. So they're trying to find them and, and, and they've just ransacked the place. And the only thing that they can find, Archer and Alan, is Troglacon, uh, parts of Pieces Troglacon. Of mm-hmm. yeah, so they've killed Troglacon. They've torn him apart. Um, so Alan puts the closed sign up because he's like, how the hell am I going to clean this? And I now I owe Joe because all the toys are gone. He thinks somebody robbed the store. Archer is like, no, the commando elite killed all the Gorgonites. Right. Um, so Christy comes back and wants the toys. Her parents caved, which of course she knew that they were going to cave anyway. Of course they were. I doubt that she had the money to buy the things. And... Um, he tells her that they were stolen and, and, and she thinks this is where you get like a little bit more of like, you know, Alan's reputation because she's like, are you pulling an insurance scam or something? Right. And Um, he goes off because he's like, come on. At some point you guys have to trust me again. I think he knows that she's kind of into him though, or like into the idea of like being bad. Because she's into like the bad part of him. I think she knows it's like a bunch of bull. I think that he likes like having a little bit of mystery about him. Oh yeah, that too. Because he doesn't give up the ghost that it was just like, oh yeah, I like put a like a stink bomb in the bathroom or whatever he says. Like he did some graffiti or something. He did graffiti. He did something else. And I think the big one was the 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 smoke bomb in the teachers' lounge. Oh okay. That he got caught doing. But we learned he got kicked out of two schools. Yep. Um, and then, and then they do a little bit of bonding. So she helps him clean the, clean the, uh, yeah, she uh, does the, the nice store. thing and helps him clean it up. And, and she, she, we learned she likes Led Zeppelin. She doesn't which, like, I mean, Led Zeppelin was a big part of the music in this. Yeah. Which was interesting. And that's, because, I think why that's why that line was well, in there. Well, <laughs> I, I do wonder if it's in there, but Led Zeppelin doesn't, doesn't always give up their, the rights to their music. Yeah. I wonder if this is that like, did like Joe John, Dante or Steven Spielberg like convince them? Like they, they must, this have. is going to be kind of an edgy movie. Like it's kind of like down your alley. Like, Maybe they were just excited about it. It was like, <laughs> the one thing they were like, yeah, I'm into it. Let's do this. Um, but then we get one of the worst lines in this movie. Oh, Which is, you know, you're not like other girls. I know. 
I hate it. I hate everything about that line. Fuck you, Alan. <laughs> Rachel, I'm going to ask you, as a, as, a, as a single man, I am single, ladies. Um, I have never said that, I don't think. And I can't imagine it ever working. It's a bit of a line. It's a bit of a line, and I think girls are just like, oh, okay, thanks, yeah, move on. <laughs> she Walk has, away now. She has the Han Solo reaction to it, though. She just goes, I know. I know. Yeah, well, she is that kind of a person. <laughs> <laughs> are you not a fan of Christy Fimple? <laughs> she's fine, but she's she's totally that girl that's like the girl next door. She's beautiful, puts up a front, and she's also got like the, I like Led Zeppelin, and I don't like this show that everybody else likes yeah, because I'm cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's one of those things. <laughs> um. We get another reference to like he he goes to a shrink now. He thinks his, mm-hmm. the shrink thinks he was acting out, which we don't get a lot of backstory on that. I think this is another like '90s thing, where like we we were just figuring out that mental health was a thing. So sure. like it was it wasn't it wasn't a total like nobody goes to a head shrinker, but now everybody goes to a head shrinker, and that's weird. Kind of, so like we keep seeing this because we saw this last week in another '90s. Oh yeah, you're right. So uh, this has to be a like that mentality at the, t- at the time was yeah, like yeah i think it's just becoming more yeah. streamlined more uh mainstream thank you uh so his dad comes back uh it got canceled or it got done early so he comes back and he and the the sale thing falls apart so he he's like pissed at alan because mm-hmm. something broke and uh he tells him to go home uh, so he thanks Christy again, like I, as they leave, as they leave the store and um, Brad shows up, Brad shows up. I thought kind of funny with like a whole gang of motorcycles. Like he's got like three or four <laughs> other like guys that are on the other side oh, of yeah. the street. Um, but, but she leaves with him to go watch him play football, I assume. Or it lacrosse. It was something. It was it some, one lacrosse. of those. It was some type of sport. Yeah. You can come watch me play. Like, this is 90s enough, and this guy's an, a big enough of an asshole that it could have been lacrosse. But maybe it was football. I don't know. Could have been soccer, too. I was going to say, it was probably soccer. He looks For some like reason, soccer, soccer feels right. <laughs> <laughs> come watch me play soccer. So, on the, this is where we get a little bit of a scene where we get the Commando Elite have seen uh alan leave and they they realize that archer's with them and they know we know that they didn't get archer and they are after archer and i think they real recognize that archer is kind of the leader right um and they've they've like made like a whole like military outpost like near the store so they send uh did they send brick bazooka i think they yes. send brick bazooka yep. after him on on the bike. So we get this mm-hmm. like little uh chase scene slash like Brick Bazooka's trying and this is where we, we get some CGI. More CGI than puppetry here, and it's not that bad. Yeah, it's it's really not that bad. For for nineteen ninety eight, it kinda it holds up. The CGI has some shelf life in this one. A little bit, but it it looks good for where when it was and Yeah. I laughed at, um, there's a dog that, that yes. kind of wants to chase the brick bazooka, like, hanging off of the bike. Because he's just a toy hanging off of the bike. And what we find out with all of the toys is that they have kind of Terminator vision. Um, they have, like, it'll it'll be like, what is this? And then it'll say, like, mm-hmm. status. So he sees the, 
dog and it says uh, Gorgonite with a question, question mark. mark. <laughs> and then the status is hungry. Yep. <laughs> I, I, I got I chuckled at it. I oh, it was good. Uh, but eventually Brick Bazooka falls off the bike because it's just he, he can't he can't get to the backpack to kill Archer. And um, we get a Wilhelm scream. So again, yep. another we're the making sure that Wilhelm scream. We're making sure that this is a, a war movie by having a Wilhelm scream in it. And then um, when they get home, Archer calls the Globotech hotline. We got a little cameo from Sherry O'Terry of SNL fame. Being... Oh, I loved this, actually. This made me laugh. <laughs> this part made you laugh? Yes. So I don't know why, but the one line that's always stuck with me was, have a nice day, ma'am. And then him going, I'm not a ma'am. Well, it's the whole it's the whole way she's acting like she is the computer. Like she like <laughs> he's just talking to her recording. She She's not. He's not, though. She's actually talking to him. And then he goes, give me a recording. <laughs> Like, yeah. I don't well, want to talk to you. This and then was, she this just was says, a trend, though, nice for day, a while. Ma'am. This was a trend for a while where we didn't want to talk to people. We wanted to talk to machines. Just, like, whenever we would call into customer service. I think that's changed. Like, uh, I hate getting a machine. I want a person because if I want something to get resolved, I need to get to the person. Sometimes like it if it's be faster. If it's a major complaint. If it's just like, yeah. oh, I need to check the balance on this gift card or whatever. Like, yeah, like, just, you know, give me the machine. But... If it's if it's something like this where it's like the commando elite, you know, destroyed all of the Gorgonites, right. I'm probably going to want to talk to a person about that. Oh, absolutely, yes. Um, but he leaves his name and his number to this voicemail. Then we get uh, we we cut back to Heartland Play Systems where they're doing a demonst- they're doing like a little presentation about the commando elite and the Gorgonites. Again, it's very cynical. It's very big corporation capitalists only care about the bottom line. And only care about even, the soldiers. They only care about the soldiers. Who they, the who they are, in their head, are the Those good are guys. the heroes. Yeah, they're the good guys to this company, which they'd have to be because they're warmongers. Mm-hmm. And Larry even has this line of like, they're going to they're gonna fight alongside each other to separate mommy and daddy from their wallets. And it's like, you would never say that. In a a good company would never say that. Like I'm sure there are companies out there that say that, but like nowadays, even it. if it's a now even if it's like a company that that wants to be more, like you're gonna try to be subtle about <laughs> your end game. You're not gonna flat out say that, even in an internal meeting, which I think is supposed to be another like one. This is the 90s. Right. Capitalism is running rampant. There aren't any controls. This is before Enron or Socks or any of that stuff. And two, this company doesn't give a shit about the morals or the lessons or anything that they're exhibiting out to the people. Right. Um, but Gizmo, Irwin, yep. um, tells Larry that there might be a problem. And this is where we find out that you put munitions, chips, and toys? Which I think <laughs> is a trailer line. Probably. What other chips was he supposed to put in, though? I, I well, I don't understand why it was his job to find the chips, but that's whatever. He still acts like it's not a big deal. Yeah, but but clearly Irwin thinks that there could be a problem here, and and they eventually we'll we'll just talk about this scene now because it, it kind of goes it, it goes back to the to the Gorgonites and the Commando Elite, but eventually they decide to go into they decide to find out more about the X one thousand. 
So they go talk um, to engineers. They go they go talk they go into a clean room that they're like building chips. Um and we learn a little bit more about the X one thousand, which is like it's this like state of the art mad scientist like microchip. Right. It's not it's not artificial intelligence, it's actual intelligence. And like you which get the, like oh, okay. Yeah, you get Ralph <laughs> the uh the chip guy who's like right. this is the you know this is a masterpiece it's a work of art and, and wouldn't use it only because it could be uh thrown off by electromagnetic fields emf yes emp they call it emp electromagnetic pulse which i think is oh the i'm sorry thing. i believe so yes <laughs> well because everything has a, a field and then it can cause a pulse because of the nuclear bombs yeah, so their weakness was they needed to have like extra safety coating on it, which like I'm trying, I'm still trying to figure out like what this chip would have done. Like I, I guess it would have been used in like missiles, like smart missiles. And I stuff would like imagine that. it's yeah. Only thing um, other than we learned the weakness of the chip, which comes into play, is that Ralph sneezes in a clean room, which I don't think you can do. He had the he had the whole suit on. Yeah, you can't sneeze in a clean room. With you have the suit on, there's nothing to make you sneeze. It should be a clean room. I don't know what made him sneeze, honestly. But like you've got a suit on and you're in a clean room, you can't. Yeah. So what was in your what was in your suit that made you sneeze? Like he was just getting so excited he sneezed. Is that a thing? (laughs) Do people sneeze when they're excited? Maybe. Folks at home, (laughs) right into the mailbag. (laughs) So anyway. I, I wrote at some point that I'm getting a Gremlins pace and vibe out of the movie, too. Mm-hmm. It's paced very, very much like Gremlins. And um, the same sort of tone and vibe is very, very Gremlins-esque. At this point, Alan's figure told Archer, like, you're smart enough to learn my name. It's just Alan. And he, he like, realizes that, like, Archer kind of, like, knows, like, can learn, can understand some stuff. Right. And while Alan's sleeping, Archer goes through the computer and he starts learning, learning about the, the world. Yeah, mm-hmm. he's just looking up history. He he comes across a picture of a national park that looks like Gorgon. Mm-hmm. Um, and we get a little more of, like, this, like, toy bonding. Little Andy and Woody Buzz Lightyear-esque stuff. Of just, like, a boy and his toys. <laughs> <laughs> but in this case, the toy actually gets to talk to him. Yeah. Eventually, we get to Chip Hazard is setting a trap for Archer. Somehow, they get into the house. Mm-hmm. And Archer gets tricked, very dumbly, like, very easily tricked into um, what he thinks is, like, the Gorgonites calling out to him. Because he's still pretty desperate to find them. Like Right. They're his he, family. They're his family. And they are saying stupid stuff in the cupboards, and they got Gorgon wrong. And it's it was Gorgon like... moron, I think is the one. <laughs> yeah, but they they do capture Archer. Eventually, Alan wakes up and just in the nick of time because right. the the Commando Elite are going to murder him. Yes, by dropping him slowly. Like there, this is where I think it's, well, it's another torture. commentary on on soldiers and the U.S. military is because they're not just gonna kill him. Which is their objective. Their objective is just to kill him. They're going to torture him. They're going to kill him in the most brutal way possible. Well, they're torturing him because they still haven't found the other Gorgonites. Oh, you're right. So they're, they're trying, trying to, to get find him to say, where are yeah. they? Yeah. So it's torture in order to find out information. You're right. Yeah, so even worse. We find out that it's... You know, it's actually pretty easy to take these guys down. Because at first... He goes to, Alan goes to, like, 
uh, get Archer off, and they they cut him with something. I it don't... looked like like a a little saw, like one of those little ones that you do in like woodworking. Yeah, well, they do steal the, the dad's woodworking tools. Okay. Because his dad thinks that he pawns the woodworking tools to right. repay Joe. So they do they do have the woodworking tools, so that's that must be what it is. Because it was like one of those little razor blades. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, could you imagine like getting it hurt like sliced hell. with that? He yeah. probably needed stitches. But he just takes it away right away. He's like, give me that. And just <laughs> grabs it from him and cuts Archer off. And then he shoves. So at this point, I think the soldiers are only targeting the Gorgonites. They didn't attack Alan or anything because they don't know that they think the humans are just civilians. But at this point, Alan becomes an enemy Mm -hmm. because he dumps poor Nick Nitro down the trash compactor, cuts him in half. Yep. (laughs) It's very sad. Pour one out for Nick Nitro, folks. Um, While this is happening, his parents wake up and they find him in the kitchen and they're like, what the hell's going on? Right. So, oh, uh, at some point, and I thought this was kind of a dick move for, for Archer. So he's like, it's the toys. Oh, yeah. The toys are alive. At some point. Um, he had told him to shut up. Alan and told him, him to like, don't shut up. Not a word, which I did laugh at not a word because Archer's mouth opens back up. And he's like, not a word. Like, don't even, don't try. <laughs> um, that got a giggle. And this is where I thought that this also has a Transformers vibe going on mm-hmm. I don't, this reminded me of that scene in transformers where the autobots are trying to hide yes as well from the from the parents yeah yeah um so and we got a kitchen fight which reminded me of gremlins oh uh, yeah alan's trying to prove to him that archer can think and archer, and archer won't, say a won't talk so like later on he's like thanks a lot like why, why didn't you stick up for me and he replays the the, the message line, he said to him which like Archer, he saved your life. Like, I think yeah, now you guys you're just are being even... kind of a dick. That's yeah. A dick. <laughs> like, come on. You're not vindictive. What are you doing? But Archer realizes here that the Gorgonites aren't dead because Chip Hazard still is looking for them. Mm-hmm. We also find out that the commandos have taken over the garage. So now they have all the weapons that they could want. Oh, yeah. They have like little montages of them like getting smarter by building better weapons out of just like home things which is probably another piece of commentary as well yeah because they go which we find out later all out oh yeah with this stuff flamethrowers and everything and we get the line that nick nitro so nick nitro dies yes in in uh commando's arms but this is where this is where i think chip decides that now alan is also an enemy mm-hmm. and and he's anybody big. who well because he's with the gorgonites right he took a side you took a side. You're against us. So now now Alan's got himself mixed up in this. He could have walked away. They're fucking toys. <laughs> like, <laughs> but he got himself involved. So now he's going to be part of this problem. So the next day, Alan and Archer are trying to figure out where the Gorgonites could be. And we get this back and forth between Archer and Alan that... Um, where Archer is telling Alan that, like, we can't fight, we're programmed to lose, mm-hmm. we're programmed to hide, and he's like, that, like, what a crappy, like, like, lose and hide, like, that's right. ridiculous. So he's, they're trying to figure out, like, well, where would you go if you were, like, a loser, you have no self-esteem, and they realize, like, they're hiding in the dumpster, the dumpster. behind the store. And they find them. I thought we get, like, a bit of a Star Wars reference with the eye coming up. 
Oh yeah, it might be. That's a Star Wars reference. There's also dark, a Gizmo keychain. Forces. Oh, you thought Gizmo? There was oh, a there's Gizmo a Gizmo keychain. Key and yeah. then there, and then I think there was that. Yeah, I think that is a. Because that's what Oculus that reference. Looks like. And then there's the uh, there's a Gremlin's head apparently in Alan's room too. A Gremlin yeah, he, skull. He's a skull. Yeah. <laughs> is that Stripe's skull? I don't know. It Maybe that be. guy. Maybe they're related. Is, yeah, I haven't been thinking about it. Been trying to raise these kids. <laughs> you are right, though. So then the Gorgonites, they find the Gorgonites, they all bring them back to the room. And this is where I find out that I hate the Gorgonites. They're fucking annoying. The only <laughs> one I, I do like Archer. I think Archer is cool. I hate the rest of these goddamn things. They're so annoying and they're so <laughs> stupid. But they, they do watch wrestling for like 10 seconds. Yeah, it's the rock. The the rock getting power slammed by Ahmed Johnson. So this is, I think, the debut film of Dwayne Johnson. <gasps> wow! I think I think this might be it. Can we tweet that? I kind of want to know. <laughs> I'm gonna tweet that to Dwayne. I'm calling him Dwayne. We're on well, first yeah, name you're, basis. You're, yeah, you're on a first name basis. <laughs> Was this your debut as a movie star? <laughs> Was your cameo in? Small soldiers. And then just have that clip. <laughs> <laughs> so this is the point where Christy calls him to see if he got grounded. So I I don't know when they exchanged numbers, I guess, when they were cleaning up the store or whatever. Um, and she's listening to Tom Sawyer because she's cool. She's got the Led Zeppelin poster. She has a poster that says war is not good for children. It's not good for anyone. Like, we get oh, I it. missed that. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's like a flower, um, like poster in there she's moving the gwendy dolls mm-hmm. um, because like me everything needs to be in a specific spot in the room because that's where it belongs that's how i was like when i was three years old though go ask grandpa he'd be like he would take like a toy or something and like move it out of place to just watch me put it back in place because he it's thought hilarious. it was hilarious that that's <laughs> what i would do but anyway she has a ton. She has a ton of Gwendy dolls. Yes, which are just rip-off Barbie dolls called Gwendy dolls. Um, so he asks her to go to a movie or something, and she says she only dates older guys. It's nothing personal. And then we get another scumbag Alan, and kind of scumbag Christy too, because he's like, well, "What about unofficially, or superficially?" Because she says she's officially dating Brad, right? And she's sort of. She is. She pushes it. And flirting with him. Yeah, she's like, well, there is this troublemaker guy. And I don't even know why he says this line. But this is the line that the commandos use against him, which is like, I'd be willing to give it all up for you. Or I bet he would be willing to give it all up for you. I know I would. And it was just like, seriously? The the romance in this movie is very bad. Uh, It's so bad. (laughs) I mean, there are teenagers, but come on. Come on. <laughs> uh, but this cuts to um, Link Static was wiretapping them. Yep. Again, another signal that, like, the fucking toys know how to wiretap. So that when you don't know, like, clearly somebody's listening to us right now. Mm-hmm. That's, like, while we're recording, not even just. I mean, I, well, I hope they're the listening to us. <laughs> I hope so. You know what? If, government, if you're listening to us. <laughs> Please email us. Let us know what you think of small soldiers. Yeah, I hope you're having a good time. <laughs> I know it's a very stressful time right now in the country. So I hope that we're giving you some brevity if you're listening in. We cut to the garage and and the commandos are 
awesome engineers, they can do all this stuff when they're just like plastic. They're putting together these tools of war, basically, at this point. And Hazard gets the idea that he's going to use Christy to get to Alan. Cut to Phil Hartman playing me in a movie because he's unveiled his new big screen TV with surround sound and he can't quite get the picture exactly like he wants. It's a little fuzzy. Yeah, he's messing with it, which like a 1998 big screen TV probably looked like horse shit. It looked looked fuzzy from our point of view too. Yeah, but I mean, I do that with my TV now, as you know. If it's depending on what's on, I need to to change the settings of the TV because everything has a particular setting. Well, they do have those settings now. They have sport. They have movie, I, I change them. I change them for every single thing. Uh, the one thing that I haven't quite figured out though is like if you're watching a Netflix show, should it be on Vivid or Standard, or and this is what I usually keep it on because I want I want the grain. This is why I have 4Ks. And Steven Spielberg and, and Pair, um, DreamWorks, if you're listening, we want uh, we want Small Soldiers on 4K, obviously. I want that grain. I put it on Cinema Home. Not custom cinema. I'm not good enough to do that yet. But Cinema Home <laughs> is is what I put it on. But with some of these Netflix shows, I feel like you're, you're, they don't film it that way because it's Netflix and they're they're not connoisseurs of film. All the time. So some of that stuff might not have to... I don't know. Anyway. So anyway, (laughs) Rachel's staring at me like Like, she wants to go to bed. I haven't eaten dinner yet. (laughs) So let's move on. This is where Phil Hartman, Phil Fimple, and his wife sit down to watch a war movie. And this is where we get one of the greatest lines in cinema history. I think World War II was my favorite war. It's beautiful. It's poignant. It sums up the theme of the movie. I don't know if it was improvised or not, but Rach, you and I have been saying this for at least 20 years. Yep. Yes, and, we have. And it, I know we're already running long, but I need to talk about this line. I don't know if it was in the script or not. I really don't. It's true, because they just pan. They're, they're just panning of them just to give like the idea that they were in the room. Because the whole idea is that the commandos have found like some sort of drug that's going to put these guys to sleep because they're trying to make sure that that they can mess with Christy without the parents getting involved. It's it's a line that that speaks to the fact that we are sold war as consumers. We have favorite wars, (laughs) which is disturbing. Well, some of us have favorite serial killers. So that's a whole other thing. But it, but that is like the whole idea of like the critique of right. It. And World War Two, as Americans, is our favorite war. Yeah, probably. It's the most like interesting. It's the I guess. easiest one to wrap your head around. There's a clear evil. There might be some murky good guys, but it's the easiest one to kind of pinpoint when America became America mm-hmm. is because of World War Two. I, I I love that line. I love saying it. We say it all the time. Even in weird situations. (laughs) I'm sure we'll say it again on the show because for some reason it just keeps, it always comes up. Like, I think World War II was my favorite war. (laughs) And it's just the way that, it's the way that he says it too, where he's like, he's realizing it as they're watching the movie. Like, I think World World War II is my favorite war. (laughs) Eats his popcorn. Yeah. Um, So they make the parents pass out. 
they go up to Christy's bed because they, they're going to hide and they're going to wait for Christy to come home because they're going to kidnap Christy. Timmy finds them, though. Timmy makes a mistake because he messes with Chip Hazard's ego because Chip Hazard can't take the fact that Timmy wants uh, Kip Killigan to be oh, in charge. I think it was Kip Killigan because he goes, this guy, because this one gets shot and dies <laughs> and so i guess realizing that and, I, plan... my favorite was though that the is that the little the small so i was gonna call him the little soldier the small soldier actually says was my idea boss <laughs> <laughs> yes that's a, that is a good line that is a good line i just loved that <laughs> like i didn't do it <laughs> uh, but they tie timmy up and this is when they real they they see the gwendy they gag dolls. him they gag him. This is, this is a child being gagged. So, so wrong. So wrong. Um, okay. Oh, but yeah. uh, they see the Gwendy dolls. And, and they, they all... over-sexualize them like crazy. Ridiculous. The There's a shot. Thing. There's a three-second shot of a bed. I know. I said the same thing. A bed. A Barbie's bed. But again, this is where this is the scene where I think it goes from, hey, we want this to be a family movie to, ah, fuck it. I don't have enough time to make it a family movie. We're not cutting it. Keep it in. <laughs> Just leave all of it in. Because this is when it gets gremlins dark, like to a more 90s cynical tone. Yep. Um, because Hazard gets the idea to make the Gwendy dolls into soldiers. Yes. Now, I don't know. I don't think we can get into the science of this. I don't know how they do this. They take Nick. So they take Nick Nitro's head off and they take the chip out of Nick Nitro's head, which like the other toys find disgusting. But then they're setting up like this Frankenstein-esque lab. lab. So here's my question. Are they using like one chip and like creating creating like other chips it. and they're like making their own microchips to put into every Gwendy doll and then like like electrocuting them with like a surge of like energy to wake them up which it's insane is insanely sophisticated <clears throat> but they're you doing tell, something like, yes and you can tell, like, some of it works and some of it doesn't because some of them are disformed and, like, they're oh, adding... Oh, is, is that why they're disformed and stuff? Yeah, because, like, you know, like, the, the energy going through... They're plastic. <laughs> so yeah, they're they, weren't, they weren't built for a microchip. Right! <laughs> which is why their mouths shouldn't move and shit like that either, but whatever, it's a movie, I guess. Right. You've, um, movie magic. I, I did like the line. Also, they painted camo underwear on all of them. I don't think yes, that any of the Gwendy dolls came with stamps. I would make one of them. She must have one camo bar. Like I'm Gwendy. sure there's a GI bar. And then, GI then they probably were like, oh yeah, we'll we'll do the same thing for all of their outfits. <laughs> uh, so the Gwendy dolls are voiced by Christina Ricci and Sarah Michelle Gellar. So very nineties mm-hmm, of them, mm-hmm. but they, they, I, I think they're. I funny. think they had fun. I, I think, think everybody funny. just it's, had fun. It's with pretty this much Malibu Stacy. Yes. Esque lines that they're giving as the dolls. Let's Would all you... forget our troubles with a big bowl of strawberry ice cream. I couldn't help myself. And uh, <laughs> I don't know why they all have those lines. 
in theory, they should all kind of sound like Nick Nitro, which I think would <laughs> well, be funnier. Well, that's what I thought. Wouldn't they all sound like all the rest of the soldiers? So they all have like the deep voices instead of sounding like a Gwendy doll voice. Like I thought it was so weird. That means that they programmed them to sound feminine. I mean, I guess the idea is after the war's over, we'll celebrate with these Gwendy dolls. So <laughs> they don't want to have them sounding like Nick Nitro. That's why they wanted them to be animated. <laughs> um. But I did get a laugh when one of the Gwendy dolls walks up to Chip Hazard and mm-hmm. is like, cannon fodder Gwendy reporting yes! for duty. So like, it's, it's, it's Joe Dante. Like as a kid, I didn't get that joke. But like now I'm like, okay, I get it. Like, that's exactly why Major Chip Hazard made them. Like they're cannon fodder. He's right. making them so that they, he has extras so that if they, he can kind of throw them at, at any of the, the enemies. Yeah. Uh, they have a conversation about the wind. I don't think we have to have any in-deep conversation. No, it's, it, he's only... learning. He's learning things. This is literally the interaction that Eruin wanted to have with the monsters and the kids, is them learning yeah. things. That's yeah, exactly, exactly what's happening here. That's exactly That's what's happening. Uh, the, the, the line that comes out is like, just because you can't see it doesn't mean it's not there. Right. Um, it's a very sweet little message. And that does come back. Mm-hmm. And, and and the whole thing is like, you know, you what you don't know what's beyond the farmland it could be gorgon like it could exist right now it's that belief it's that hope it's that 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 warm feeling which like is bullshit because they meet erwin later mm-hmm. they they so they know that gorgon they should kind of know gorgon isn't real the creator oh yeah the one goes they're the creator the creator yeah okay okay I'm so sorry. like they should know that that there is no gorgon because he created us but I guess they still feel like, well, we don't really belong here. We're going to try to we're find, gonna go find our Gorgon. Home. And they, they found that picture of the forest preserve and we're like, well, this, I guess, yeah, they'll just go to that. This is our preserve. place. This is yeah. our home now. Um, so Christy comes home. Brad tries to get into the house. She's too smart for his for his crap. Um, so she kicks him out. Uh, Brad isn't really a character in this movie. He's in there for like two scenes. I did like that she opens the door and throws the <laughs> throws the blanket. I don't know how those toys got Timmy downstairs into the closet. No idea. They must have dragged <laughs> his did. ass down there. Um, but she doesn't realize they're there. She goes up to their room. And this is pretty terrifying. Oh, man. Like, this is a scary scene where, like, um, all the Gwendy dolls attack her. Yes. And they're, they start, like, tying her up and jumping on top of her and the one says does her head come off and (laughs) which is a pretty good line um brad hears her scream and runs back in to save her this is great though okay well i'll let you explain this this part okay so brad comes in and he's kind of he has the best reaction you open the door you're just like what the hell is happening and then uh the gwendy dolls see him and we're like just, are just like oh a man and like jump him like they're climbing on top of, they're they're swinging each other up to him and stuff and he's like hitting them and knocking them off and chip says like oh, sir you don't hit a lady and then they blow fire at him with a blowtorch and light his pants on fire he falls down the stairs i mean just the 
just the bottom of his pants are on fire. He r- falls rolling down the stairs, okay? And then he takes his pants off. Before they're off, the fire is out, and he just leaves her there. He doesn't even go back to try to save her. He runs out of the house and is gone. Okay. Now, later on, Christy does give Alan uh, credit for saving him, but I'm going to give Brad a little bit of credit here. Brad did not know that there were living toys. <laughs> okay, in the true. House. True, but if you showed he up, he never comes back. No, he never. He's out of the. Not movie. even with help. He doesn't come back with help. He doesn't come back I, at all. I might think I'm going insane. If you showed up at, at somebody's gone. house and they were again <laughs> gagged, another child being gagged. If you're, if their toys are attacking them and then attack you, I don't know what I would do. I wouldn't. I wouldn't go back into the house. I don't I mean, think I. Would, I uh, Alan I don't has I the advantage of already knowing that these toys are alive. That's fine. That's fine. <laughs> I guess. I'm just saying. Hey, Brad. Fuck Brad. But <laughs> I'm just. I'm just playing a little devil's advocate here. He didn't know these toys could think and move by themselves. Ocula is. Uh, on lookout and a VHS gets thrown through the window and now we get another uh, commentary because it's a it's a freaking hostage video oh yeah of Christy saying like surrender the Gorgonite scum very Joker-esque from Dark Knight <laughs> or, or yeah <laughs> that's what it's... it reminds me of <laughs> so like at this point even if you're the commander like the commandos kind of have to realize that they're going they're doing some nasty tactics here but they've been programmed by a military organization to just do whatever they're kind of told. So they're resorted to these very, you know... Drastic measures. Yeah, in- inhumane <clears throat> tactics. And Alan tells them, like, if Chip Hazard wants a war, we're going to give him a war. And Alan shows up with a big box that says Gorgonites on it. He leaves it at the front door and you hear the Gorgonites talking in it. Uh, and I put Chip Hazard, because he's a toy, falls for this. Um, in the meantime, Archer parachutes into the house using, like, a little bottle rocket. Oh, yeah, it's great. Because, <clears throat> because, and Gork, and he was, like, not even afraid to do it. He's like, yeah, just let's yeah, do this. Yeah, Archer's <clears throat> arc through this is interesting because he is the leader of the Gorgonites, but he's the one that's more willing to, like, trust Alan to take risks and like learn and do stuff yeah um so yeah he parachutes in the house he lets alan into the house so two things are happening at the same time the one thing that's happening is they blow up this box which they think the gorgonites are in uh chip hazard is pissed because it's just a boom box with like a recording on it so he's like okay we've been tricked something's happening because we've been tricked yep and at the same time alan's being attacked by the Gwendy dolls. Yep. <laughs> when he tries to save uh, Christy, Archer actually cuts Christy out while the Gwendy dolls are attacking him. And um, then Christy, who does this a couple of times in the movie, takes way too much pleasure. She grabs a baton. Oh, yeah. And this is where you get some good lines from the Gwendy dolls. It's the baton death march. Yeah. She's gone postal. Right. And she just starts beating the shit out of these things. And then she says, I've always hated these things. And my question is, why did you keep asking for them then? 
I don't think because she your did. brother. But your brother says they always buy you these. Yeah, yeah. She's full of it. She's full of it. She's full of it. She's totally full of it. She's like us. She found a, a shelf life for these Gwendy dolls. She might not care for them anymore, but yeah. she's keeping them because they're a part of her, you know, her history or her past. She wants to keep them around. Right. But I agree. She doesn't hate them. She's lying to herself. She's trying to act too cool. She kisses him at this point because she rescued him. And then they try to escape. They can't go down the stairs because the commandos are there. So they go out the, the, the window. And this is um, another one where we get like, a, oh, you're like, a, you, you do this all the time. And um, again, like some bad flirting I, because they're teenagers. They, right. It's always going to be bad. Well. Um, and then I wrote, holy shit, these things have become anarchists and they're frightening. Um, because they bust through the garage. Yep. I think this is when War, What is a Good For plays? Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a wonderful song. But <laughs> um, they, this is all puppets, too. You can tell. Oh, it's great. They're all on, like, skateboards and, like, connects stuff. And they're, like, chasing them on Christy's moped. They're chasing Christy, Archer, and, and Alan. The only thing to point out here is they have, they are using some deadly weapons. Yes. Uh, the thing that that made me churn a little bit was Alan gets shot in the legs with the corn cob holders. Like yes. the end of like a corn cob. That would hurt like hell. Oh, man. The kid gets stabbed a few times and it like doesn't phase him. And I'm just like, what's happened to you that you're like, okay with this? Yeah, because that would be horrible. Oh, man. Like, he pulls him out, too. And like, mm-hmm. look, I... This compare compare the two main characters or who I'll call the main characters from last week or last episode of this episode, in Casey Connor and Alan Abernathy. Alan's a take charge kind of guy. Yes. Compared to Casey. Also, I called Casey a coward. I'm a I'm the biggest coward in the world. <laughs> I would not have the second that Chip Hazard talked, I would have chucked that thing out the window and been like, Nope, that's it. I'm leaving. We're leaving. We're done. The movie is over. If I get shot with a corn cob holder in the leg, Mm -hmm. I'm going to just lay there. The commando leader are going to murder me with one of their dishwasher things or whatever else they're shooting at us. (laughs) Because that's it. I'm not going to get back up after that. No. So they they start this chase, and this is when I also wrote, this is definitely a Joe Dante movie because it's getting darker and darker, and you can tell they aren't sure how dark they can really take it. Um, they all join up. They make this, like, big, like, Megazord thing mm-hmm. out of their, you know, pieces. And then um, this impossible... They're, like, shooting down trees and power lines and then Christy makes this impossible oh, yeah. leap with the moped, um, which the commandos try to replicate and fail. Yep. And the commandos go out in a giant fiery explosion. <laughs> and you hear, and for some reason, they all are programmed to feel pain. So they're all going, oh, <laughs> which is a nice touch. And that's it. That's the end of the movie. We no, do, we, um, well, we do forget to say that like when... There were two of the toys that got broken. There was the the one that they pulled apart in from the um, the Gorgonites, and Fragocon. they 
and he actually was put back together with the radio parts. And then, yeah, so, and I when, think I had that action figure too. Oh, you might have. And then with uh, the other commando that was like broken from the bicycle accident, he was screaming in pain, and they were actually like taping him back up. So they were like even oh, right. piecing themselves back together. But after this fiery blast, they, they do not melted. survive. Yeah. Yeah, the chips have to be melted or they're melted. Like, they can't survive. Right. But Chip is floating down the river. He hasn't been, he didn't blow up. And he comes across the toy world. Well, he sees his, he sees his head because it's the yep. big opening of, of the commandos. And he sees his head. So he knows there's more commandos. And at this point, he's figured it out. Oh, yeah. He can get more soldiers if he goes there. So that's where he's headed. In the meantime, Christy and Alan tell their parents, like, Phil Fimple is, like, going off, like, my son was tied up, my daughter is missing. I don't know why he thinks Alan did it, but he does accuse (laughs) Alan of doing it. His wife is drugged. His wife is still kind of drunk or drugged or something. Yeah, she's drowsy still. Yeah, weird the entire rest of the movie. Christy and Alan are telling their parents, like, it's the toys. And then the Gorgonites do show up. Right. And, and and they kind of make a point of like, you know, we're not, we're real or whatever. Mm-hmm. And Phil's like, okay, I'm not going to believe this. Right. Like, we're just, he knows what I would okay, do. Okay, we're going again, home. <laughs> Phil Hartman, again, being me in this movie, is just like, no, we're just going to go home. And before they can, here come Irwin and Larry, because they figured out where Alan Abernathy is and they have to figure out if something's wrong with the toys. They've already recalled the toys we find out mm-hmm. because Joe's picking up the shipment right. to take the toys back. At Toyland. And Chip Hazard takes him hostage. Yes, and that's how he gets um, all the toys. Which, again, like this whole thing of like, he's going to use, we kind of get the idea that he's going to use this whole like... Any means necessary. Yeah, again, no mercy, any means necessary. He's going to do whatever he can to kill the Gorgonites. He to has complete a his mission. Mind. It's to mm-hmm. complete his mission. Dick Miller complains about corporations again, by the way, while he's holding this up. He's like, he does, yes. corporations, like one hand does one thing and then the other hand screws it up. Or he has something yeah. like that. And then with all of them in the house, there's a, so now they're all in the house. This is where we get like the, oh, look, it's Archer. And like, you guys are putting together sentences and you're learning. Like he's like amazed mm-hmm. by the fact that they can do this. But at the same time, the power goes out at the house and it, and we find out it's the Commando Elite. I kind of wish they wouldn't have shown the Commando Elite cutting the power. Like, we didn't need to see that. Right. You didn't need that. Like, you could have just waited like 10 seconds because mm-hmm. then they see like the trucks outside and holy shit, there's like a million of them. Chip is basically Stripe. Yes. Because he didn't go get another Chip Hazard. He wants to be the leader. Yeah, there isn't an- there isn't another Chip Hazard. You're right. Which kind of egoist of Chip. Very. Which again, I think as a kid, that's why I thought like there was more to Chip than just his one track mind. Because it's like he made a decision to not get another Chip Hazard. He's not going to compete. Yeah, I was going to say there might be a problem with uh, authority at that point. Yeah, exactly. Phil decides he's like, this is stupid. They're toys. We'll just surrender the Gorgonites and we'll be done with this. Mm -hmm. So he, he takes a white flag out and Chip Hazard's like, no, there is no mercy. We're yeah. not like like at this point. There is I no think surrender. Because of the there action, is no mercy. You can't surrender. It's not just give up the Gorgonites. Humans are 
you are now part of the enemy. We're taking out the humans because too. didn't they kill a number too? There's 16 enemies instead of like right. the seven There's or something. Instead of the seven Gorgonites, the Gorgonite. Yeah, there are 16 Gorgonites. They blast. I figured you would like this, Rachel. They blast Spice Girls. Yes, I was singing. I was singing I, when when uh, Christy's mom goes. I love this song. I'm like, yes, I I do as well. Thank you. Um, they start shooting nails at the house. Oh man. Um, the neighbors are like, there's a ton of noise going on here, but the neighbors are, are just like, oh, it's the fimples. And they just like, don't bother caring. Right. Um, and then they start shooting tennis balls on fire. Flaming tennis balls. So a lot of damage is being done. This is another Gremlins thing too, because like the mom in Gremlins has that awesome fight scene. Oh, she does, doesn't she? Because this one, like, she picks yeah, it so up she, and she's just ready takes charge she's the leader of the humans she tells every person what to do yep and then she finds a tennis racket and she starts firing the tennis racket oh, back it's, it's amazing at them uh, because i guess they blew out the windows with the nail gun so like all this stuff is happening they're fighting they're they're going back and forth they realize they kind of say like at some point like well if we had an electromagnetic pulse we could take out the chips Phil is like, well, you don't need a you don't need a nuclear blast to take out an electromagnetic pulse. Every electronic device has a electromagnetic, the electromagnetic field. field. You just need a big enough burst, right? Which apparently he's pulse. done before. Yeah, he goes. It's only happened once. Before. Yeah, <laughs> I thought that, that seemed out. like a, that seemed like an improv line. The way he turns to Alan and says, "Like it only happened once," because like no one else reacts to it. He's the only one that that has like a facial about it. Um. Like, oh, you've done this before. <laughs> so they put together this plan that they're like, they have to get to Christie's house to like turn on all the all the electronics because they need to overload this transformer because Archer realizes like there's a transformer out there. You could just, you could blow it up because like Archer's learning. learning. And so they put together this plan. The Christie and Erwin and Larry need to go across the street to turn the stuff on and, and work the fuse box or something to like overload the transformer. Mm -hmm. At the same time, Alan's going to climb the transformer to hook, because he needs to get a piece of metal to get them together. Right. It's all in this exposition, but I remember it. Yeah. So like the exposition works while the, this, all this action is going on. So Alan's dad, and this is kind of that Alan arc, it's small, but it's there where Alan's dad decides... He can trust Alan to, to get the job done. Mm -hmm. And and he clears the way for Alan and, and Alan is decides he's going to go and he's going to climb the, 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 the power line. At the same time, Archer realizes he can't get there on his own. He can't, they can't get out there because him and his dad are surrounded. So Archer tells the Gorgonites, we can't hide anymore. We have to fight. And this is a, this is a very, this is actually a oh, nice Oh, this is a good speech. scene. I like this. He tells them. Um, we can't hide anymore. But and the Gorgonites say back, "Well, if we fight, we'll lose." And Archer says, "If we don't fight, we'll still lose." And it's a that it's like a, there's your little lesson. There's a little lesson to be had there. Um, hiding is you'll still lose. Like maybe you'll survive, but eventually you're you're still gonna lose. Yeah, you could put that with any part of life. If we wanted to have Dad's corner right now, he would say, "Well, it's it works with everything. You can't. You have to take action if you want something to happen. Otherwise, you're still going to just be where you are now." And Alan tells Archer like, "Way to stay heads up and all this stuff mm -hmm. here, so you get the call back." Um, but yeah, definitely a little Dad's corner of, of 
what's your what's the message or a message to, to be had so the gorgonites start fighting back and the commandos are not prepared for this because they think that they're just going to be a cakewalk um and they fight back in comical ways and it gets very cartoony at this point so it's a little bit more for the kids yes it's definitely more for the kids when the when the gorgonites come in it, even even the music is like do 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 like it's very like kitty right I did write down, because this is another line where I remember as a kid, of, what are you packing, Tiny? <laughs> yes. Packing. Packing you. I don't know why that line stayed with me, but it did. I know. I always remember that line, too. Alan's gotten to the top of the Transformer, but Chip Hazard has a helicopter that mm-hmm. he's been flying around at this point. And I'm I don't know sure. what the hell no, he oh, built this no, out of. No, so I'm pretty sure this is a drone or like one of those like remote control helicopters and Phil Hartman definitely had this thing at his house because he loves okay. electronics. I was trying to figure the same thing out when I was watching it. I was like, wait. It, <laughs> it's got to be like an early type of drone though or something. Well, I'm, right? no, I'm thinking like remote control helicopter. Like remote, oh, like like with, okay. you get this huge like remote to play with, like a remote control car. So our Alan's going up there. Chip Hazard, Alan's his number one target, even more than Archer, really. At this, so point. he starts firing on him with the helicopter, and the Gorgonites take the helicopter down. The helicopter spirals down and it hits the satellite dish. So now the satellite dish kind of blows, and mm-hmm. the satellite dish is down. Archer decides he's going to go fight Chip Hazard. He's going to go save Alan. They kind of comically, again, swing him up. They're, this is a hell of a shot. Oh, it's great. To swing him up to, to this. And he gets on top of it. Um, so you get this little standoff between Archer and Chip Hazard. It's a nice little standoff. There's a couple of you know, well, lines back and forth. Yeah, because like uh, Archer's pretty much saying, Chip says, "What's what are you made of? Like, let's find out. And Archer's like, the same things same you thing are. You. Wires yeah. and metal. Or plastic and wires. Which I think, again, goes back to the whole idea of, like, is the, the military is the commando elite, and they're taking it out on these people that look different. However, they we're all the they're same. They think they're monsters, but they're all the same. And that's Archer's point is, like, I've been programmed to learn. We're all the same. Mm-hmm. We're the same on the inside. Yeah, definitely. Our, and at this point, Archer is basically making a sacrifice because yes. they all know that if they take out the commandos, they're going down with them. Um, but eventually Chip Hazard is the better fighter. He kicks Archer off of the... Yeah, he 300, like, stomps him off of this <laughs> he does, thing. He does 300 stomp him off. Um, <laughs> and at the, right after the stomping, Alan has one of the worst 90s one-liners. Uh, it's actually a twofer because he goes, have I got a shock for you? And yep. grabs Chip Hazard, which again... It's easy to take these toys down. It's only when they, it's like a zombie. Only when it gangs up on you can you not take them down. And they have a weapon, weapon. But then he says, "You stupid toy!" <laughs> and it, I wish he wouldn't have said that. Just do the stupid shock line. But then you stupid toy. Uh, but he 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 uses Chip Hazard as the connector between the Transformers. The Transformers blow. Um, he gets blown off the, mm-hmm. the power line, which would have hurt again. Again, Alan takes an obnoxious amount of oh, abuse yeah. in this movie. And then you see all of the all of the commandos are like being destroyed. Like the they're they're like like twerking out, they're tweaking. Let them tweak. <laughs> and they kind of like spaz and then they all die. And then you get a great little 
Oh, no, there are two things that you get. Christy being a psycho again. Oh, man. Because she's found a lawnmower and she's mowing down everything. Yes. And having glee in it. She has, this, she has a smile on her face as she's doing it. Uh, but then you also get um, Chip Hazard dying and he says, There will be no <laughs> And it again fades to black. Mm-hmm. So you get another fade to black. It's a, it's a good it goes, one, though. It, it, it's, like a, it's a breath. Every time there's a fade to black, you literally breathe for a second. I'm well, serious. We know, we, know we're, we know we've hit the climax. We, this is now the epilogue. And, and in the epilogue, uh, we get to the next morning. Law enforcement's clearing, cleaning up. And Dennis Leary comes back with a helicopter. And you get another piece of commentary because he is walking through. And he first asks Joe to move the truck. And Ms. Kegel uh, hands him a check. And she, he's like, all right, I'll move the truck. And then, <laughs> I'll do anything and then, for you, sir. <laughs> and then he does the same thing with the Fimples. And then he yep. does the same thing with the Abernathys. And I think it's, again, it's supposed to be like this. As long as we're getting paid, as long as the checks come in, we turn a blind eye to all the lawsuits that, have, that could happen here. We turn a blind eye to all of, like, the evil that they've done. Yeah. And, like, all of, like, the... You know, as long as the money comes in. Well, like, you're saying it from their point of view. From my point of view, it's like, well, we'll just pay everybody off. Who cares? Yeah, it's, exactly. It, like, but that... from, like, from, like, the business's standpoint, it's like, well, we have enough money. Just pay them off. Right, exactly. So he, he does, like, go up to uh, Larry and, Ir- and Irwin, and, and Larry's like, I take full responsibility for this. And he and I love that Dennis Leary is just like, yeah, I'm sure you do. Like, he doesn't care. <laughs> yeah, he does like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> Like, we'll just pay it off and that'll be that. He picks up uh, Chip Hazard's head and he's like, how much were we selling these for? You remember how much they were selling them for, Rachel? Wasn't it? Do you remember how much they said? Was it 70? 79.95. So it was $80. Which is an asinine amount of money for a toy now. I looked this up. In the year that we're recording this, it would be $126.94. That's outrageous. Ridiculous. Like I could see it being sixty dollars, and then you get like two yeah, for one hundred and twenty, but eighty bucks, and then it would be like over a hundred dollars for one of them is ridiculous. Yeah, so you need to get a couple of them to, like, for it to it, work. They have to interact. That's the point: is them interacting. You want the whole set? Come on. Um. So he does tell them like, well, there are some. There's some South American rebels. Add some zeros to it, and I think there's some South American rebels. So I didn't know if, like, this was, like, he decides to use them as war tools, basically. So, again, yes. like, is this another, like, we sold it to the kids, we're going to sell it back to the other one, uh, you know, something like that. Where Well, he's kind of an opportunist, I think. Oh, absolutely. Well, at the end, when he, he gets back on the on the helicopter, he's like, it's too bad. This would have made a hell of a commercial. <laughs> like, he doesn't, he doesn't really look at it as, like, a bad thing. He's like, it di- they did what they were supposed to do. Like, right. this is exactly what I wanted. They're insurgents. They're te- tiny, teeny tiny insurgents. Yeah. Except, like, okay, well, we'll find another use for them. Like, I get that people won't buy them as toys, but, like, damn, this is exactly what I w- was looking for. Right. I did laugh because... Um, you know, everybody's like having like a little moment and then Christy is like going to go home and Alan like swings her around to kiss her. Mm-hmm. It's like a very like romantic kiss, which like they've already kissed before. So you like didn't have to have that again, but yeah. like, fine, whatever. Um, Teenagers. so Alan 
is cleaning up and he finds Archer's bow by the satellite and he gets sad because he he thinks Ar- Archer and them have been okay. fried and they just But they haven't find found him. the bodies. Right. The bodies. <laughs> <laughs> but they're he lifts up the beings. satellite. <laughs> well, he lifts up the satellite and they're all there. Yeah, he lifts up a satellite. I don't know. That thing well, looks huge. I guess maybe it's light, yeah. but eh. <laughs> it's, yeah, I'm sure it's like heavy, but like uh, the toys apparently got underneath it somehow. Archer does his greetings. I am Archer, mm-hmm. but he keeps saying it. So um, Alan's like, oh, great. You guys got fried just like the commandos. And then Archer's like, wait, the commandos are dead, which I think is hilarious. <laughs> I that... loved it that they were pretending that they were fried. <laughs> Just in case the commandos were alive. <laughs> like, we're dead. <laughs> that and the fact that he calls them dead. Like, you're a toy. <laughs> but then he turns and, he's, and he kind of surprisingly is like, uh, Gorgonites, we won. <laughs> it's yeah. like, oh. That, and they're all like very pleasantly surprised. They're yeah. all like, oh, how about that? Like, what a like, twist. Yay, we, look at that. Because they weren't command, they weren't programmed to win. He gets that dad's toy boat from earlier mm-hmm. at, the, at the place, and the uh, Gorgonites decide to leave to try to find Gorgon. And, and they repeat, like, just because you can't see it doesn't mean it's not there. Like, right. we're going to go find our homeland. And, and he sets them off on their journey to learn about the world. Yes. Um, and we get a terrible last line of, I hope I don't hit an iceberg. Um, which... I don't know. I don't know why you're saying that's a terrible last. Line. That's the best line, last line of a movie I've ever heard. <laughs> I mean, that's ridiculous. Differing opinions was, here on shelf. It like, was sibling, goofy. the sibling rivalry at, at its best. That was so bad. <laughs> and Titanic came out the year before, so of course, oh, that's of course, yeah. That's to get everybody to nudge each other in the movie theater. Game. Right. Watching it 22 years later, you still know the reference because added to the list, but. It definitely doesn't, it's like, why did you, why? Why did you say that? But at the time, Titanic, of course, was the biggest movie of all time. I mean, Kevin, Um, it came out on two VHS tapes. (laughs) Yeah, it had two VHS tapes, which is how you knew it was a long, if our podcast came out on VHS, they'd all be on two VHS tapes. (laughs) <laughs> just like titanic oh. like like an old lady with two vhs tapes. <laughs> um i don't know where this giant mountain is like you can tell that well, the abernathy's went camping because i was gonna like say yeah camper. they went like yeah they had like a like a cabin or a camper in the background and yeah. but it's that national park he said oh well that's a national park so they must have gone to the yeah, national park they found national park I also don't know kind of what Alan's arc was in this other than getting um, Christy. But I guess that's maybe why I think Archer has a larger character arc. Mm-hmm. And Chip Hazard, for that matter. Um, I think I think what they were trying to imply was that uh, Alan kind of gained more responsibility and like connection yeah. with people and things like that. He proves himself, I guess. Yeah. Which is what Irwin always wanted with his Gorgonites. That's, so. that's what he wanted the Gorgonites to do. So they yeah. did their mission as well. Oh, how sweet. What a, <laughs> what a little, what a touching way to look at this Joe Dante <laughs> movie. F- filled with bloodshed and horror. 
But again, that's the that's the thing where it's like it's not quite a kids movie, it's not quite a teenagers movie, it's not quite an adults movie. What is it? Um, but that's that's it. So then we get the end credits, and you still get that dun 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 da da dun 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 da da, um, which it's still a good score. And we talked about how it's dedicated to Phil Hartman at the end again. Yep. Um, thank you, Phil Hartman. Um, which we'll be talking about Phil Hartman ad nauseum on this show because I'd imagine. Um, let well before we go in, we'll we'll we'll, we'll give a, we'll give a little bit of a spoiler alert or a heads up for the next episode. Um, I don't think he's in the in the next two episodes, but we will leave movie world or movieville. I don't know what this. We'll, would be we'll figure it out. We're heading to TV land though, and we're beginning our journey in TV land. Uh, we're we're starting with The Simpsons in TV Land next week, and of course Phil Hartman, instrumental mm-hmm. in The Simpsons. But we'll get there eventually. <clears throat> but that's it. That is the end of Small Soldiers. We've done it. We've written the book on it. We've closed the clamshell case on it. Yes. So now I go to you, Rachel. Are you putting? Small soldiers. The small soldiers have shelf life. Are you putting it on the shelf? This is this is, this is so hard. This, this is, is hard. A really hard. So one. it's kind of funny because watching it again and like breaking it down, I like appreciate it like a lot. So I would say, <laughs> if you have the VHS, don't get rid of it. If you find it in a clearance bin for 50 cents, if you have, like, the DVD or something, yeah, why the hell not? I say, I, I, I it's kind of fun, and I think kids could still enjoy it, so even if it's, like, something that you give to, like, a kid to watch, yes. <laughs> I think it kind of does have shelf life. However, it does also date itself. <laughs> So maybe down the line, it may not be able to hold itself up. I don't think it dates itself as bad as the faculty did, though. Like it's Mm. not as '90s ish. That's true. Faculty. Um, I'm just thinking toy wise. Oh, definitely, definitely. I I guess this is my turn to say. I think so. (sighs) Did I did I give like an actual answer? (laughs) I'll tell you what. Once once we get a composite list going of what's on the shelf, maybe it would fall off. It's right on that door. It's, yeah, man. it is. The faculty might be too, but but like you said, like you can rewatch. Here's here's the thing. I don't see myself rewatching this often. No. I will say this uh, just like you did. Watching it and breaking it down and kind of going through it like we just did. I do appreciate how good of a movie it actually is for what it is. Right. There's no reason for this movie to be any fucking good. There's no reason for us to be able to pull out this stuff in it. And we will find movies where we're going to do this with every movie, but we're going to be grasping at straws. You don't have to grasp at straws with this. No. You, you can get a message out of it. The problem, I think, is it's a blurred message. I, I think... I don't know what kids would get out of this. I don't remember getting a lot out of this as a kid, other than maybe some of Archer's talk. Mm-hmm. Maybe it do- did give kids of our generation an anti-war message. Maybe that's why we are... The way we are. <laughs> the way the millennials are. And we are all kind... We're all very veering towards a certain way, especially now. Yes. It's it's a very 
it's a very dual message because of the way that the studio wanted to market it and the way that Joe Dante and the writers and maybe even Steven Spielberg wanted to make the movie. Mm-hmm. But it is, I do think it's a good movie. If you haven't seen it, watch I would it. find it. I, I would Absolutely. rent it or, or I, watch it. I would say watch it. Definitely. I am with you. The clamshell case can stay. Yeah, we're not getting rid of at that. mom and dad's because it's a classic. Mm-hmm. I don't think i'm gonna go get it on blu-ray it's not something i would literally run out and go buy but if i just happen to see it in a bin i'd be like well, yeah why not i'm gonna grab this if it's there and it's like a dollar i might might grab it it yeah. has it doesn't have a lot of shelf life no but it has enough where like i think it can be given to someone of like oh it's a fun it's like fun, yeah, you'll oh, enjoy it's fun it. yeah um it's got some good lines I'll say this about it, and I think this is why it's so muddled and it's so hard to determine if this has shelf life, if this is going on the shelf or not. I mentioned to the to our my guys, your other brothers, in a night <laughs> yeah, where my where brothers we, with quotations. <laughs> we were doing another G chat. We were playing games over the, oh, online, and I told them that our our second episode was going to be Small Soldiers. One of them said, "What is that?" Couldn't remember it. One of them said Gorgonite scum, remembered it. I don't know I don't know what his feelings were. You can probably guess who's who. And then the third one said, Why the fuck are you doing an episode at Small Soldiers? <laughs> and I think that's right. I yes. think that reaction is correct. Yes. All three of them. Yep. Um, it just depends on what you get out of it. I think that there's stuff in this movie to get out of, and I think that's why I would not say it doesn't have any shelf life, but Nowadays, I'd probably tell people if you really liked it, and I and I don't fault you if you really like it at all. No, you can go get the Blu-ray, you can get the digital copy, you can rent it, you can see it. Like yes. like you said, it's got a little bit, but it's definitely not a. We need to have it on the shelf. Right. It's it's in a it, box. It's it's <laughs> it, it's in the house. It might just not be on the shelf. <laughs> yeah. But I I still do think it's a good movie. I think everybody did a did a good job in it and absolutely and, uh, i think they had fun and that's what made it fun to watch so that is that is our second episode of shelf life anything else to add rachel before we leave i think world war ii is my favorite war i don't think there's anything else i can say after that <laughs> so uh the next episode the simpsons season one part one because i'm going you think i'm talking a lot now wait till i get teary-eyed talking about the simpsons so i'm kevin i'm rachel this has been shelf life thank you all for coming we'll see you next time World War II was my favorite war. <laughs>